Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive or the morning zoo whatever way you want to put it on groundhog day 2023 it is seven o'clock in st louis your time check brought to you by clarkson jewelers an officially licensed rolex jeweler and super bowl champ carrie davis randy Carricker. great to have you with us good morning cd how you doing i'm doing well sir how are you good i do not trust punxatani phil i'll no. have you know that and i don't not think- even a little bit uh, hey. no. yeah, not I, well. Okay. I learned this from my good friends Pesci, De Niro, mm-hmm. early on in my life. Never trust a rat. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, cold in St. Louis, but I don't think it's going to be six more weeks. And by the way, how how does Groundhog Day manifest itself in Jupiter, Florida, where it's going to be eighty-two today? Or for our friends in mm-hmm. the Phoenix Scottsdale area, where it's going to be up to sixty-seven? Do they care about Punxsutawney Phil at all? Maybe this is just a, a cold weather city type of Punxsutawney Pennsylvania. There you go. It's for people in 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 northeastern part of America mm-hmm. and and you know middle of America. Yeah, Pur- Puritans, America. Come up with, Puritans come up with weird stuff. All right, that's the bottom yeah. line. So there are, I think for everybody, maybe a half dozen movies where if you're flipping through channels and it's on, you watch it. And I know a lot of people don't do that anymore. They don't flip through channels because they are a la carte with their movies. But that's one of those movies, Groundhog Day, where if I am flipping around, I watch it. You just keep watching it. You yeah. watch it. Yeah. No, I have a few movies like that. What are your top two or three? Gladiator is one. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, this is this is probably out of the, the Negotiator with Samuel L. Jackson. That, that is, for whatever reason, whenever it's on, I just keep it on. Part of the yeah. equation obviously has to be what movies get like overplayed too much on TNT. That's and all those one channels. of them. Yeah, and so obviously, I think a gimme for everybody. It's Remember the Titans. That's a, that's, that's a perfect jump in. Anytime. But you gotta, you gotta every time watch. I jump in, I you, feel you, like they're singing "Ain't No Mountain High Enough" on the bus back from training camp. I feel like every time I jump in, it's right there. For me, uh, remember the Titans isn't one. I watch it, but it's not one. If it's on every time, I'm gonna watch it. But the Negotiator, uh, it's like I've never seen it before. So I don't know why. For me, you guys know the Fugitive is right. Yes, that, that's yep. at the absolute top of my list. Have you seen? Um, the uh, the Denzel Washington movie, um, where he goes and kills the Russian guy. 
the 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 um, equalizer. Equalizer. Yeah. Equalizer. Uh, I, I I love that one. And then one that makes me late for everything. And I've seen it maybe a million, maybe two million times is Talladega Nights. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> I, you know what I forgot is another one is my cousin Vinny. Oh, I, yeah. Yep. I, identical. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, that yeah. one. I, I, I got time. no more use for this guy. <laughs> the two youths. <laughs> So uh, here's what we got going on on the show. Today we're going to have the football region in the official opening drive greatest sports families of all time. And Matthew's going to put this up on the uh, interwebs on the Twitter machine momentarily and then we'll retweet it. But here's what you got. In the football region, the number one seed is the Mannings. That includes Archie, Peyton, and Eli. And they're taking on the Boses, Joey and Nick. So that's your one versus eight. Your number two seed is J.J. Watt, T.J. Watt, and Derek Watt. Got to throw him in there. Against the number seven seeds, uh, Tiki and Rondé Barber. We're the only ones that really like Tiki enough to even put him on something like this. <laughs> Rondé is carrying Ronde's the load. Great. He's yeah. carrying the, 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 the heavy, is. The, the heavy the portion. Ch- yeah. I mean, he's a former I mean, Chris Snee isn't even voting for Tiki on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the number three seed is the Matthews family. Prolific. Like you've got Clay, Clay Jr., Bruce. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I missing one? I think there's four, right? Where the... Maybe is another Jake, Clay or something. Is Jake part of Jake, that? The ones I yeah, put Matthews, on the, yeah. the ones I put out on the tweet are Clay, Clay Jr., Clay the Third, Bruce, and Jake Matthews. Great. Okay. Perfect. And they're taking on the sixth seeds, Howie and Chris and Kyle Long. And then your four or five matchup is Jason and Travis Kelsey, both perhaps Hall of Famers, both playing in the Super Bowl this year, and they're taking on. Sterling and Shannon Sharp. Shannon in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Sterling, as should Shannon be. said during his induction speech, should be. So that's a really tough 4-5 or five matchup. So that's the football region, and uh, we want you to vote today on Twitter, and we'll reveal the results of our football region. And we'll go in later in the day, but we'll reveal the res- results tomorrow. And you can see the entire bracket, by the way, on our Twitter machine. The Mizzou Tigers... CD, they win again, 87-77 over LSU. Almost half of their field goals were from three-point range, 27 three-point tries, uh, and uh, of of their 59 field goals attempted, 46% of their shots were from three-point range. They are, they are a team, as I said yesterday, if they get the right matchup in the tournament, they could they could be a shock to a, to another team system because of the way they play, the pace in which they play. They're going to shoot threes. They are fun to watch when they're hitting their shots, and and that's the that's the the, the Steph Curry I guess um, thing that has allowed all of these teams to transition into teams that shoot so many threes. When it's going well, it's going well, and if it doesn't. You can be a little bit frustrated, but you got to live with it because that's who they are. That's how they win their games, and and you understand um, that that's what it's going to take for them to win their games. They did a great job last night. Obviously, I am I am you know I I, I give a little a, a, a round of applause for the for the Mizzou Tigers here and there. No, no, I'm oh, you're going there. No, he, going he got there. me once, but I won't. It won't happen again. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, they 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 have played well, and uh, you know you go. And get a win versus an LSU team in conference. That's a good win for you. And Mizzou, as we mentioned yesterday, they've got a couple of games against ranked teams left. And you said Joe Lenardi, Matthew, has them as a five seed right now? It's five or six. It's flipping around between the different bracketologies you see. Um, in fact, I think um, it was a fi- it was a uh, 
six or a five twelve matchup in Lenardi's latest bracket before the SLU loss actually had Mizzou as the five and SLU as the twelve. Which That'd is be, which would be insane. Yeah. It's not gonna happen, but it would be crazy. That would be awesome. Yeah, it won't happen. Carrie, as we head into spring training, and we are, let's see, today is February 2nd. We're 11 days away from the start of spring training. I believe we're 12 days away from the first Cardinal workout. We're going to talk in the 8 o'clock hour about the Cardinals and where they stand in their division. Because the NL Central, while not great, they do pose some threats because Milwaukee still has the pitching that is an equalizer. And the Cubs have improved significantly on paper over the course of this offseason. The Reds and Pirates are still going to be terrible. But the fact that you don't get 18 games against your division anymore, 18 or 19, you only get 14 games against your division, so you're playing a lot more good teams. The Cardinals could have more of a threat in the division than... They've had aside from Milwaukee over the last couple of years. Yeah, they they over the past few years that was the you know the the I guess the running joke is they were in the NL Central and they were going to be able to take care of that business um, with them playing less games. They're going to have to play against some better teams, but I'm interested to see what this Cubs team does. I mean, you know the the matchup with Wilson Contreras going back there and that matchup and then Cody Bellinger, all mm-hmm. of the things, the pieces that they've had added the Cubs have over the offseason. It's going to be fun to see if that if that rivalry, you know, regenerates and gets going again because that's what we like to see, right? We we want to see the the fun matchups. Obviously, we want to win those games, but you don't really have as much fun playing against the Cincinnati Reds in front of 5,000 people as you do playing at Wrigley Field right, with a packed right. house and, and everybody's tuned in to watch. It's all about energy, right? It, it is. It, it changes for an athlete, you know, when there's no one there. It's like, oh, this is it's like practice. You know, sometimes in mm-hmm. practice, you, it's hard to get the juices going because it's, it's, it's nobody practice. there. It's practice. <laughs> and But when you have uh, a, a large number of people there cheering you on or, or booing you, it can bring energy to you. One other baseball note, Andrew Friedman, the Dodgers president of baseball operations, provided the first comments that the Dodgers have made since they DFA'd and subsequently released Trevor Bauer. And he said, among the people in the organization throughout, whether it was the business side or the baseball side, it was unanimous for the Dodgers to get rid of Trevor Bauer. And I have to believe, based on what we have seen, Kerry, or not seen, that that's going to be a prevailing thought about baseball. I I think Trevor Bauer probably has made himself persona non grata Mm -hmm. in baseball. I would be surprised if he ever pitched again. And that's, it's, as I said, we did this a few weeks ago, and we talked about how sticky of a situation this is, because he wasn't found guilty of anything. He wasn't charged of anything. He he was charged by Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. but criminally he was he he there was no issue. Even in civil court, he was he was fine. So, I, it's a tough situation to be able to not be able to perform and do what you do for a living uh, because of something that was said. But I also understand why the perception of having him on your team would be so difficult for mm-hmm. for a an organization to decide to do. And we had more votes on our Twitter poll than we've had for any other poll. We had 8,000 votes, and it was split yeah. 50-50. It was yeah. not 51-49. It was 50-50. Would you rather have Trevor Bauer as a member of the Cardinals or not? 50% said yes, 50% said no. And if that's reflective of the audience, if you're the Cardinals and you're drawing $3.4 million a year, you can't piss off, if I'm getting my math right here, 1.7 million of your 3.4 Correct. tickets that are sold. Correct. 
Yeah, I agree. And, and I think every organization is going to look at it the same way. Um, and then you have some organizations who aren't drawing that many people, if you, <laughs> which is much uh, a much lower number. You don't want to have those people upset. So I understand why it's difficult to make that decision for a team. It's unfortunate for him. But I think sometimes when you put yourself in a situation that people can judge you or view you in that light, it, it, it it's difficult for, for everyone involved. Kids that are riding in the backseat with mom and dad. Uh, young people, it's when you're about to do something, there is a great phrase, and I didn't hear this phrase, CD, until I was in my 50s, Mm -hmm. but it's a great phrase. Jim Cruz used it when he was the head coach at St. Louis U, and he would always tell his players, do the next right thing. Mm. When you're going to do something, think about it, and then do the right thing. Right. Next thing you do, make it be the right thing. I, I that that is a great saying. I mean, you 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 want to have, you you want to make sure that you're making the correct decisions and doing things that are not, you know, going to have people looking at you sideways right. or, or making decisions that are going to ruin your career or your life or someone else's life. If you're making twenty two million dollars a year, before you ball up your fist, and that's a horrible thing that he did. It's there is no excuse. Yeah. I wouldn't personally. I I wouldn't want that on my team. But especially if it can ruin multiple lives, take a deep breath. Yeah. Uh, smell the flowers, blow, or smell the roses, blow out the candles, okay? Take a deep breath before you do something like that. One other note, uh, yesterday the head coach of the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, said he does not see a path for a return to Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers. They have Lance, they have Purdy. Uh, they might get a stopgap, but I think they've done as much as they can with Jimmy G. It doesn't make sense for them to bring him back, and it doesn't make sense for him to go back to San Francisco right. because they have two starters that they like. Well, it, it depends on money. I think everything is <laughs> on the table. You may say that and then realize, oh, it's going to be a longer process for both of these guys, and we have to find someone. I don't know who that person is at this point. I, I don't know. The the quarterback market, has it seems to have shrunk with Tom Brady retiring yesterday, mm-hmm. even just one person, that one chip being off of the board seems like uh, there are less opportunities or less options for the for the 49ers to go in that route. Who do you have? Derek Carr? Do you have an Aaron Rodgers? If you decide to take on that contract, if he, if he gets traded there, I don't know that that's something mm-hmm. you do because he's going to start the entire year. I don't know where you go if you are the 49ers if uh, Brock Purdy is not ready to go day one. Of next season, I know there's a lot of people that don't attach any meaning at all to a quarterback's one-loss record. But when the 49ers have Jimmy Garoppolo, since they got him, they've won more than twice as many games as they've lost. Mm-hmm. When he's not playing, they lose twice as many as they win. To me, apples-to-apples comparison, right. that tells me, regardless of what all the other statistics are, he knows how to win football games. He does. He, and he, he did an outstanding job, took him to a Super Bowl. But the injury bug is often biting him. And the fact that he can't stay healthy for an entire season, I, I do think it's time for them to move on. I, I'm, I'm, if I'm a betting man, I'm, I'm thinking that they're betting or hoping that Brock Purdy is able to go You know, as soon as the season starts. It's supposed to be a six-month mm-hmm. issue. Maybe that's June, July. 
early August, and now uh, I don't know what you do with Trey Lance. Well, I, I don't know if he's ready to go either. He, had, I think he had an infection after he had the uh, the ankle. He injury, said that he'll be surgery. ready to go for OTAs. He just had another ankle procedure. Says he feels great, better yeah. than he has since he had it. So they feel like he's going to be ready to go for OTAs. Well, you got one guy that got an arm issue and one guy got a leg issue. Yeah, so you better get another guy. In you there. might need to just use the last pick in the draft on a guy that might work. <laughs> it worked last year. <laughs> That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, get your take. By the way, here's our guests. 7.30, bottom of this hour, our buddy Greg Amzinger. At 8.15, John Kelly talking some blues hockey. At 9.15, uh, we'll have story time with Kelly Chase, former blue, oh, yeah. who's got some business interests that are getting started here in the next week. Former Seahawks linebacker K.J. Wright will join us later in the show. And Kylie McDaniel, who covers the minor leagues for ESPN.com, will also join us. But coming up next, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line. And that is 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. Whatever you're sick of, we've got Sick of It next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time to get your texts in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 304-399-9646. CD, as you know, and as Matthew knows, they're working on our email here at 101 ESPN. And we have just a magnificent IT department, but our folks, our corporate folks said, you know what, we're going to change the email setup and uh, we need to have your computer for a while. And so (laughs) they had my computer for a while, haven't had... uh, haven't had email for the last day and a half, and I'm kind of sick of it. <laughs> hey, I haven't you, had work email for a day and a half, and I'm sick of it. You're 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 bothered by not having numerous emails. I am. I know that shouldn't bother me. You like well, I sometimes I get emails and I don't see that I got email, so I I'm, I probably <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't mind somebody having my work computer yep. for a day and a half. I would just be like, eh, 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 not something that I'm keeping up on anyway. So, so right now, sad to say, my computer is telling me, and by the way, my last email came through, and I get 150 emails a day. My last email came through uh, yesterday at 1041 a.m. when the computer was being worked on, and right now it says, open your Microsoft Authenticator app and approve the request to sign in. I have no idea what that means. Randy, I have, I have, I I actually started a new email because the one email had has 10,000 emails in it. I just I just said the hell with it. Move it on. There's no way I'm going through that and cleaning that out. I just got a whole new email address. So that, that, that tells you what, how I feel about emails. You want to get a hold of me, call me. Let me know directly. Don't even text me because I'll look at the text and forget that you sent me a message. Call me. And then text me to remind me. Just, just fair warning. I think I have a. I, I've told you guys I'm not going to out any friends. <laughs> I do have a friend that when you call his voicemail, it says, "Hey, this is. Don't even bother leaving a message. I'm not going to call you back. I don't talk on the phone. Just send me a text." <laughs> Uh, that's someone that is clearly aware of, you know, who they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Randy, you know what I'm sick of? There has been, you know, the the NFL championship weekend came and went. We had a lot of calls that people were questioning from the referees. And then in the days after, there were there were comments that the NFL has a script, that, that there is a... 
a plan for everything, like literally a plan that DeMar Hamlin is going to go into cardiac arrest on the field. Like there, there are people that truly believe that they these things are like the like I don't want to say not real or not genuine or authentic. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of people believing everything they see. It, just because it's on the internet doesn't make it true. Mm-hmm. Just because someone who there's a there there's a fine line. I was told that in order to understand sarcasm, you have to have a level of intelligence. And some people miss they they just miss the mark with sarcasm and don't understand it. They 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 are they're a little bit lost when it comes to being sarcastic. So I would just say that there is no such thing as a script. You do not get a script for how the season is. I mean, I wish I did. I wish we knew you were going to be mm-hmm. seven and eight at 15 weeks into the season. Then you start playing. You, you, no one knows. Nobody knows. You just go through the season. Sometimes injuries happen. Nobody can tell you. This is how you know it's not scripted. Mm-hmm. No one can tell you. If you knew that you were going to get injured, you probably wouldn't play that play. You probably wouldn't miss that play. I've seen guys forget to block a guy. I've seen guys forget that they were going to run the ball and someone had to hold the ball a little bit longer and got hurt. None of these things are are scripted. It so just happened. You're telling me that, like, the elbow that you had to go get checked out yesterday? Yeah. That that wasn't just part of the script? No, no. I, my elbow, I, so I didn't know <laughs> that my elbow, I had to get a cortisone shot. I haven't played football in 12 years, Randy. You think, you think, you think this is part of the script? Hell no. My damn elbow is killing me. My doctor told me yesterday. This is this is what my doctor told me. When I, Dr. Penn, I think he may be listening. Shout out to you. He told me that elbows are not made to walk on. And essentially, when you're blocking and using your elbows and your arms in that manner, that's essentially what you're doing. It's like walking mm-hmm. on your on your hands and your elbows are used like the knees are. And so it made it made perfect sense to me. Yeah. Not they're not made to walk on. That's where you have knees. Unreal. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> All right, what do we got on the text line, Matthew? I'm sick of anything that involves Aaron Rodgers. He's still fun to watch <sighs> play. He had a hundred hands on him. Well, that's true, yeah. Hands. Hands. It might be too many. It might be. It might be too, too many. many okay, too enough. many hands at one time. At one time. No king shame. I don't know. I don't. Uh, hey, hey. What well, you do? It you. Well, okay. Whatever you okay. do. Okay. I'm, I'm saying. saying. Uh, let me, I'm just saying. Let me. Let me. Just whatever you want. Yep. Do with the privacy yep. of your own home. Fine. <laughs> Pack it up. Yep. <laughs> it does matter who those hands belong to. Okay. There you go. There you go. Touche. Uh, oh man. Um, I'm sick of all the B-Fibs still complaining about this Cardinals offense. Have you looked at a single stat from last year? Well, they were third in Major League Baseball in runs per game, and Bradford Doolittle, even the numbers guys, I guess maybe mostly the numbers guys, who really say that, oh, number of runs doesn't really matter. It's kind of weird, but they say it. But... He even thinks that the Cardinals are going to have the second best offense in all of baseball behind the Padres. So you've got the numbers people with all of their numbers, math fans, not really baseball fans. And then you've got baseball fans that are saying, yeah, you know what? This offense has a chance to be pretty good. So I'm with you. I'm kind of sick of the the people that say it's not going to be very good. (sighs) Yeah, that's come on. people. Okay, uh, CD, I know where you come down. You're you're a a baseball fan. I am. There's no way I'm a man. Okay, I, I have like 
an awesome friend that's a math fan, okay. but also a baseball fan. Gets the baseball part of it. Matthew, how about you? Where, what side do you come down on? Are you going to be Billy Bean driving away from the game as it starts <laughs> because you think your players are machines? Or are you actually going to watch the sport? Um, I'm not. Yeah. Oh, I'm kind of superstitious. No, I'm going to watch the sport. Billy I'm going to watch the sport. This would, yeah, this would, this would lean to people watch. thinking that games are scripted. Because if you mm-hmm. just have numbers on a sheet of paper, that tells you exactly what should happen. However, however... Do you know that Ryan Helsley's finger is not going to work properly in the ninth inning, in the eighth inning? I was trying to come up with an example, <laughs> and you, you came up with a perfect one. Yeah. No! Nobody yeah. knows. I, I, he didn't even know. They're men, not machines. I knew yeah. the Rams scripted out their first their first drive, but I didn't know. First 15 I didn't plays. know they scripted out Steven Jackson pulling his hamstring in the first game of the season and, and, and the first drive of the season. I didn't think they'd—I I don't know why you would script that part out necessarily, but— Apparently, you know, they, they, they executed it, you know, perfectly. How about scripting out Jim Hazlitt's very first game against the Cowboys here, up 34-14 in the fourth quarter, and has, I don't know why, but had SJ-39 <laughs> in the game, and he pulls a quad, and pretty much, and that was the year that Brady got hurt. They go mm-hmm. into New England the next week and barely lose to the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, and uh, their season spirals downward, and they wind up with Sam Bradford. If you were scripting things, you would you would script it to make sure you were winning and being successful, and not being fired after one or two years. Yeah, if you're a coach, that's true. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up, we're going to talk some ball. We're going to find out what Greg Amsinger thinks of the Cardinal offense. Our buddy, the lead anchor from MLB Network, is next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, by the way, won the Super Bowl 14 years ago today. Congratulations to you for that. Uh, Randy Carricker, we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our great friend, the one and only Greg Amzinger, chief anchor for MLB Network, a product of the Lindenwood University. By the way, we've got, I think, Greg, we've got something that we need to watch today on our computers. Uh, yes. It's uh, safe for work. And um, 
then uh, you're also a native of St. Louis. And how are you doing this morning? Uh, you know, I, I'm doing well, Randy. Thank you for asking. I'm a bit uh, perplexed as to how I'm going to do my job today. Do you mind? Can I dive in just for a, ha- a hair? Okay. We, we got to hear this. So, okay, okay. I, I'm hosting MLB tonight, uh, this evening. I've done that before. But I have to go <laughs> early because I have been tasked, this long-winded, chatty Kathy of a man has been tasked to explain all of baseball's new rules on the Jumbotron of every big league ballpark mm. within 10 seconds or less. I have to somehow get every fan in a ballpark <laughs> to understand each one of these new rules <laughs> in 10 seconds or less. When you guys ask me how you're doing, I go 52 seconds. <laughs> how am I going to do this job? <laughs> That's a great question. Okay, so let's let's practice. Let, Fourteen second pitch timer starting now. So uh, I'm already. I, 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 hold on. <laughs> okay, let's try it again. Let's try it again. Let's okay. Try it again. Let's try it again. Uh, starting now. A pitcher gets 15 seconds to deliver a baseball unless there's someone on base. If there's someone on base, then he has 20 seconds to start his motion towards the plate. Eight seconds. You did it. That's pretty good. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. Uh, shift rule. Okay, give you. I'll give you, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll count you down. Uh, we'll do shift rule in five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. If you're used to watching a left-handed pull hitter, watch a bunch of infielders on one side of the field. Those days are over. Every infielder has to have their feet on the infield dirt. Uh, they're perfect. You nailed it. Ten <laughs> seconds. Ten. Th- you're you're, you're going to you be cooled it. in here. You're fine. Uh, you know what? I just but I kind of messed it up because I had to I had to put in the fact that someone has to be on both sides of second base. You got it. Yeah. No. So you, I, I messed that one up. Well, we, I, it, it, it's we, hard. We, I'm we, telling you, it's, it's not be easy being a talking head, kid. Rethink this. Rethink it. Focus in math class today. Focus in math class. You, you definitely focus in math class and, and get your money. Make sure you make sure you uh, are understanding how money works. Hey, Kerry, can I just make one point here, quick? Before you came on, I mean, right before you came on, I was uh, because I know who you are, Greg, and I was asking Matthew because Kerry and I are the same. We're baseball fans, not as much math fans, and there are people actually in baseball front offices that might not or aren't baseball fans, might not be or, or aren't baseball fans, but they are fans of the math. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> and I feel like we're starting to get more people in front offices that are like us, that like, you know, they laugh at burps. That, you know, <laughs> the simple-minded guys that enjoy the good things of life. I think we're starting to, it's a cyclical process. It took a while. But the math is starting to fizzle its way out. Brian Kenny is, is even realizing this. My dear friend, Brian Kenny, who is the face of the sabermetric movement, in my opinion, of course, him and Bill James, but I really think he's starting to come around. He wants to be invited to all the cool kid parties. After all these years being left out, he wants the invite. And uh, I, I think he's starting to sense what I'm feeling. The trend is coming back towards us. Hey, Greg, we had uh, John Denton on yesterday uh, uh, for Major League Baseball staff writer, and he said that he thinks that Jordan Walker is going to get plenty of opportunities in spring training uh, with at-bats, and there's a chance that he could be on the opening day roster. What do you think about that? I just It, it makes sense if it's a team that doesn't have a lot of depth in the outfield. I, to me, it makes a ton of sense. 
But you've, you've got Juan Yepes, you got Yepes, who's this young right-handed bat. you got Burleson, who wants to get some at-bats and prove that he should get some from the left side. Where's Nolan Gorman going to play? Then you got all these outfielders who are talented. Any team would want to have them. I just think that Walker's emergence, and he's only 20 years old, by the way, uh, there's just really no need to rush it. I, I am the biggest fanboy for a star prospect breaking into the big leagues when he deserves it. I, I truly, I, I, I am all about that. Adley Rushman should have broken camp with the Baltimore Orioles. It was ridiculous that he didn't. But the Orioles needed him. Like, needed him. And you saw their record once he was up in the big leagues. I don't think the Cardinals really, honestly, would it be better if Jordan Walker was a stud from opening day? Yeah. But let's let Jordan Walker kind of ease his way into this. There's no need for us to put pressure on a young man on a team that's going to be picked to win the division with or without him. So if he was 23, I would have a completely different chunk of analysis. But because he's 20, there's no need to mess with this process right now. There's just not. Hey, you talked about the outfield, and and we've had a uh, uh, we've been talking about the outfielders, Tyler O'Neill and Newt and Dylan Carlson, Jordan Walker. You spoke about Alec Burleson. What about uh, Moises Gomez? What do you think about his pro- his potential uh, for this season? Well, uh, everything I've heard about Gomez is bat to ball skills ridiculous. Um, they they like his mentality, consistent. Um, the, the guy's going to put up numbers in the minor leagues. I just don't see a spot right now for him. Uh, to me, there are probably five prospects, if you look up and down the Cardinals uh, pipeline, that are expendable, guys that could get moved. Now, you might say to yourself, well, why not move someone that, that doesn't have as many years of control as Tyler O'Neill or Newt Barr or, or Carlson? I don't think the Cardinals are looking at it that way. Mm-hmm. This is why they're so good at this. They understand the importance of giving guys reps in the big leagues. They don't wave the white flag on the guys that are already cutting their teeth in the big leagues. So, Their loyalty is to the guys that went through the grind, not the guys that Jonathan Mayo and Jim Callis are saying are the next great thing. So uh, to me, I think Gomez falls into a a chunk of prospects that they're going to watch closely. They're going to hope that he impresses in spring training. Other teams can see that. But when the Cardinals have a need throughout this regular season, they try to push to win the World Series, not just win the NL Central. He's in a group of guys that I think could be prospects that are moved. Greg, this is my way too early lineup, but tell me what you think. I've got Brendan Donovan leading off, 394 on base last year. We both love Dylan Carlson, so I have the switch hitter hitting second. And then Goldie and Arenado, they're locked in as my three, four hitters. Uh, healthy Tyler O'Neill hitting fifth. Contreras, sixth. My DH combo, Yepes Gorman hitting seventh. Newt Bar, eighth. Edmund, ninth. I absolutely love that. I, I really like that lineup. Uh, so many people want to put Tommy Evans in the leadoff spot. I think he's a weapon as that number two, you know, 1A, 1B leadoff guy in the ninth spot. Grinds out at bat, switch hitter in the nine hole. Donovan is an on-base guy. It'll be interesting to see if he can replicate what he did last year. I mean, from everything we've ever seen, from his college years to his minor league numbers, he's an on-base machine. Um, Dylan Carlson is going to have a lot of pressure in that two spot. That You're going to find out. Pretty quickly, to me, by making a lineup that looks like that, Randy, if Walker's going to get to the big leagues once his time comes, in a month and a half into the regular season, it might be right there slated in that two spot if Dylan Carlson can't get it together. 
So that is a pit, that is a spot where you're going to get pitches, and if you don't do things with the fastballs you're going to get with Goldie and Arenado uh, sitting behind you. Mark Rosa tells me the best story ever. He said the most stressful moment of his big league career was when he was traded to the St. Louis Cardinals because Albert Pujols was on the on-deck circle of every one of his at-bats. <laughs> he goes, two outs, fourth inning, bases loaded, and everyone's like, can you just walk? We want to watch Albert hit. You know, if there's one out, you don't into a double play, Dero. We'd rather have you strike out. We want to watch Albert hit. So there's stress to having superstars behind you. We'll see how Dylan Carlson handles that. But overall, I love I loved the lineup. Hey, we were talking yesterday about Tommy Edmond and, and how these rules changes could be extremely beneficial to him, showing his range in the field and, you know, possibly stealing even more bases. What do you think about what he's going to be able to do and what his ceiling is for this season? Well, I, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to play terrific defense. Uh, and what I hope is that that doesn't impact his ability to get on base, even though he's really never been a high-on-base guy. But he's a productive bat on both sides of the plate. He's going to have to be tremendous. Now, when people think there's not going to be a shift, you can stand four inches away from the second-base bag, and the second that pitch is thrown, you can take off to the other side uh, of second base. Uh, so he's going to have to shade up the middle on left-handed hitters. He's going to do it, and his range is going to be important because Donovan's not going to win gold gloves. His metrics were, were pretty positive last year at second base, but that was with a shift, and I just don't see him being someone that's going to cover a ton of ground. And he would even tell you, look, he's not, he's not Colton Wong over there at second base. So there will be um, a lot of pressure up the middle. The Cardinals chose not to get – one of these premier shortstops from the free agent class because they believe Tommy Edmund could be that guy. Uh, Paul DeYoung as a super utility player playing multiple positions is going to be key because the Cardinals, as much as we like the lineup, they're going to have to win one-run games. Mm-hmm. The bullpen will be paramount, and what they did last year, playing terrific defense, is going to have to be a staple for this year's club. To, again, we say this all the time, not just win the Central. Not that that is a given, but not just to win the Central, but to win the World Series. The Cardinals have to have the fundamental knockdown. They have to know that they're going to get great starting pitching, really timely bullpen relief, and great defense. And if they lose one of those three components, they're not going to the World Series. Greg, two more quick things. Number one, MLB Network will be carrying the World Baseball Classic. We'll be talking about that over the next couple of weeks. But early on, do you have a favorite? Is the U.S. team, they look like on paper they're the best team, but are they a prohibitive favorite here? They have to be. I mean, the DR is always loaded. Uh, it'll be fun to watch Puerto Rico do their thing. Uh, Team Japan is going to be star-studded. But at the end of the day, everyone knows it's Team USA looking for back-to-back WBC titles. I was on the stage giving the trophy to Marcus Stroman and Jim Leland, who was the manager of Team USA the last time they won it. Uh, it's going to be fun to watch our my dear friend Mark DeRosa manage the squad. He's all in, by the way. I mean, he is treating this like he was given the, the American League champions and they're going to play the National League champions for the World Series. This is how he's treating this. He's got Brian McCann, his best friend, in the dugout. With, with Mike Trout and company, uh, Nolan Arenado on this team, they are star-studded. This is what when Bud Selig decided this would be the future of international baseball competition, he dreamt of having rosters that look like this. These rosters are outstanding, and Team USA is the heavy favorite. I would be shocked, and I might be, you know, I might be jinxing something right now, but I would be shocked if they lost a game. How wow. about that? Wow. I would be shocked if Team USA lost a hmm. game, which is hard to predict. In baseball, mm-hmm. because if you run into Shohei Otani, anything can happen. But 
I would be shocked if they lose a game. That's how good they are. And then final thing, Andrew Friedman saying yesterday that it was unanimous among the Dodgers organization to not bring Trevor Bauer back. Do you, and you've talked to every team, do you believe that that is a universal feeling in baseball? Would you think that Trevor Bauer will get another opportunity? I'm going to guess that he's going to have to go to another country and pitch. And that doesn't necessarily mean somewhere over in Asia or anything like that. He's got to find a place that's willing to take a chance on him and his behavior while he's there will be closely monitored. And then you'll see a team get together and write up all the PR details they're going to have to share with the national media to explain why they're going to roll the dice on this guy who's had such severe off-the-field issues. So uh, I do think Trevor Bauer will pitch again. I think it's going to be a ladder that he's going to have to climb, and the first spoke will be outside this country. And then after that, we'll see how he deals with himself there. We'll see if he comes back to the States and does his thing. I I have no appreciation, no I, I nobody can condone what he does, but as he climbs that ladder, I advise him to stay off the top rung. That's just my thing, uh, because that top rung of the ladder, man, you fall off and you break your wrists. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, break your wrists. My dear friend Joe Searles, who I went to go visit, broke his nose, his legs all messed up. Yeah. Look, this is why, Randy, you help, just stimulate the economy. Pay a professional <laughs> to go up on a ladder. <laughs> Everyone in St. Louis knows you make a lot of money. It's it stimulates the economy. Stop trying to be such a macho guy. Work. Oh, you're the best. We'll be watching MLB tonight later on. All right, guys. Take care. Thanks, brother. That is the great Greg Amzinger on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line. The number is 314-399-9646. Save that in your phone and send us your take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. And take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. We have to wait nine more days before the Super Bowl CD. And I don't know if you saw this, but Beyonce came out with a new album. Okay. A lot of consternation and controversy over the last couple of weeks. Stephen A. taking a hit from the Beehive. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, no, from Rihanna's fans. I, I have the same question. The, the yeah. yeah, I have a question. Where's Rihanna's new album? That's what I care about. Well, here's the, the question for me. The Super Bowl. Take it or leave it. Beyonce joins Rihanna on stage during the Super Bowl halftime. Oh, the internet would explode. That's why. I'm here for it. I think it's going to happen. I'll take it. Because Jay-Z oversees all of this stuff. He he oversees the halftime entertainment for the Super Bowl. He's got a pretty good in with Beyonce. I mean, pretty good. I think they know each other pretty well. Yeah. Uh, Randy, I I am getting pretty good with timing this upcoming back in time, just in time as the (laughs) as the the music is dropping and right before (laughs) the mics go up. Take it or leave it. I'm I'm getting I'm I'm getting into the groove with this. Take it. You're a pro. (laughs) You've got it figured out, man. I I don't even have to ask Rock how much time we got anymore. I just know kind of. You know we we call that in St. Louis. What is Costa style? Okay. Here's the thing, though. (laughs) Carrie learned very quickly that. 
kid, you never run to a microphone, and you're strolling down the hall, because you know that the music starts, Randy starts talking, you have four seconds, in the chair, bing, right. bang, boom. Bing, bang, boom, bam, right there. <laughs> I was talking to Moon the other day, and we were we were in the hallway, he was like, oh, I gotta go, and he started running, he said, never run to a microphone! <laughs> it's true! Because you don't want to sound windy. That oh, was so right. funny, I, and so I asked him, I said, how did it go? He said, I got there, I had 30 seconds before we went mm-hmm. on. I said, okay, you made it. <laughs> I, I, I think I told did I tell the story on the air about Bob Depress. because Bob Costas did tell us that he had a tendency to be late at times and so when I would produce Sports Open Line started at 6.15 Ron Barber was our news guy or brought Bob Ham- Hamilton but they both had incredible skill amazing news deliverers and Bob like he told us had a tendency to be late so it'd be 6.15 and he's not in there in the office prepping <laughs> And so I'm getting ready to produce a show, and the news people are getting ready to produce or to introduce Sports Up Line. Gets to be 6.15.30, and rather than doing the weather for today and tomorrow, and on Sunday, a high of 65 degrees, a low of 41. <laughs> As we move into next week, a chance of precipitation, 41% chance of rain on Monday, 42 on Tuesday. And so those guys are sitting in a corner studio. They can see Bob Costas walking down the hall, strolling. And so Bob Hamilton, uh, it's 6.15 and 30 seconds. I'm Bob Hamilton, X News. And now here's Sports Open Line with Bob Costas. Drawing it out. Second break. One second. Bob sits down, takes a breath. Good evening, everyone. And then... Bob, as you know, does an impeccable hour of radio of without ever saying uh, uh or um, yeah. and knows the answer to every single question that is asked of him. <laughs> and is so incredibly eloquent. He was best broadcaster ever. I'm going to paraphrase a movie I love. Bob yeah. Costas is never late. Bob Costas arrives exactly when he plans to. Yep. So another <laughs> one. So Blues games used to start at 8 p.m. And I was a ticket taker when I was a kid over at the arena. And so I would be on the side where the broadcaster walked in. And when Dan Kelly would go up to do games in Canada, national Canada games, Bob would fill in. And one night, I'm literally taking tickets at 7.55. And I know Bob Costas. I'm not working at KMOX yet, but I know him. So I'm taking tickets. And he walks through. I see him. He's 10 feet away. I said, Hey, Bob, how you doing? He said, good. Who are we playing tonight? (laughs) He literally didn't know. I said, Winnipeg. He goes up again. Nails it. <laughs> Stunning. That's amazing. It's the, the people Some people like, just got it. Some people got it. Yeah. Yep. I swear to God, people like that, they're, they're, it's like their brain mm-hmm. is like a file cap. Yeah. And they can. it's organized that way, too. And they're just like, okay, yeah. facts from Jets. Bam, I yep. got it. Who are we playing today? <laughs> you got something for that. <laughs> Not a problem. Um, Granny, take it or leave it. Players should go back to drinking beer and smoking cigs, talking shop in the clubhouse after games, instead of drinking protein shakes and getting in recovery chambers. Well, do you want to preserve your hamstrings? Listen. <laughs> listen. I, I, those had to be wild times, Randy. It just uh, the smoke in the, in the air. In the, you're smoking cigarettes at halftime. Oh, baseball, Ted Simmons, Keith Hernandez, Bobby Bonds. Those guys. Randy. I, I would. I, I, I mean, the first I, man to ever win a Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's just smoking a cigarette and drinking a 7-Up in, in the halftime of that Super Bowl. Kerry, I'll tell you this. We've I grew up a long in an way. era. Uh, <laughs> and, and a 7-Up. A, a lot of my friends as a kid, I was a big Red fan, but friends loved 
Terry Bradshaw and the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And they were awesome. And those guys never missed a game yeah. because they never pulled hamstrings. No. Yeah, it's not a problem. No. Not, they, but but in, in the play, they probably weren't running fast enough to pull hamstrings. Well, that's the point. Carrie, <laughs> <laughs> halftime of the Super Bowl. Hey, Len go Dawson's ahead. got a cigarette in between his feet. Yeah, He's got, yeah. I, it's either seven up or a Mountain Dew. Yeah. I can never tell. Yeah. Blowing on a heater. Unbelievable at halftime of the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Chris Gardner proud. Uh, take it or leave it. The Tigers win the SEC tournament. They'll be a top four seed in the big dance. I'm going to reluctantly leave this just because, and I know the SEC isn't as good as it was expected to be mm-hmm. when conference season started, but I think there's just too much to traverse in terms of quality opposition for Mizzou to be able to come out of that tournament. I, well, I, if they win the tournament, I think they will be a number four seed. I agree if, with that. If they don't, if they get bounced First round, uh, we are looking at a what seed are we looking at? This Nine. Is most, this is the most self preservational <laughs> take I've ever heard my entire life, Terry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is, listen, Randy, if I've learned nothing, I've learned that Randy, it's all about, in times, it's about me, right? There was, yeah, totally, totally, there was no ethics <laughs> in that broadcasting, ladies and gentlemen. That was, we've revealed a lot about Kerry Davis's broadcasting career that today. Was dirty. In the last 10 minutes. I didn't like that. Take it or leave yeah. it. Hold on. Let me get, so, Alabama's 9 0 in the conference, 19 and 3 overall, number four in the country. So, you got to beat them. AM is 15 and 7, 7 and 2 in the conference. Tennessee is number two in the country. So, you've got Alabama number four, Tennessee number two, Auburn number 25 in the country. Plus, you still have Kentucky, and they drilled you, right, in your uh, SEC opener. Florida's really good. There's just a lot there for Mizzou to overcome. I would love to see it. I just would not predict it. That's fair. Uh, take it or leave it. Jordan Walker will be in the lineup opening day because he outplays Newt or O'Neal in spring training. Leave it. And here's why. Because Newt and O'Neal aren't going to be around during spring training for nah. him to beat out. Mm. Well, Randy, if he just comes up and does an outstanding job, just is, is, is raking, hitting the ball all over the place, you you don't think that they just say you know what we we can't wait if you have said what you've said about him if mo has said and he has he said he's the best hitting prospect we've had since albert pujols tony didn't want to bring albert pujols north in 2011 but his players came to him mark mcguire's told us a story i said i go up behind tony during a spring training game and i said you got to bring this guy north. He's one of our 25 best. But even then, it was until Bobby Bonilla pulled his hamstring mm-hmm. that the Cardinals didn't want to bring him up. Uh, Tony didn't want to bring him up. And then he comes up and he winds up being Albert Pools. But if you're going to say this about Jordan Walker, and there's going to be veteran players, Goldie, in the last couple of weeks, Arenado, if they go to Ali Marmol and Mo and say, hey, you got to bring this guy north, I think they got to bring him north. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just never a fan of letting guys wait. And you, you, the window. You, you got to get guys there while the while while the big guys are are hitting, doing well. Mm-hmm. Goldie Arenado, let him play with those guys as many games as he can. One thing I want is for the Cardinals to bring the best twenty six players north. All right, don't if he's one of your best guys, yes, have him on your team. It's not that difficult. Doesn't what? sound bad. That sounds complicated, sound Randy. I don't know your best players on the roster the opening Just day. Saying. I don't know. I don't think you're considering the world we live in. I don't think you're doing the clock right. Uh, take it or leave it. This person is jaded. Take it or leave it. Valentine's Day is a ripoff to couples and a slap in the face to singles. Well, I, I, my, my buddy. Do I, do I have to get? Can I? Can I be mean? Can I be mean? Can I do it? Can I I am, do it? Oh, you want to do it? I'll be mean. I, 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 Valentine's Day is like it, oh, it's, it's a day. It's dumb, but Bumble ain't that hard, my it, friend. It's, it's, it's a day. It's just a day. It's 
just a day. It's a day. I, I mean, and I today, made... Hey, we found another thing about Carrie's broadcasting career. His fiance doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> oh, she listens, and I'm going to have some issues when I get home. But I have to be so, me authentically. I can't be someone else. <laughs> so, okay. I want to put this delicately, but again, because I know that there's a lot of kids in the backseat of cars. <laughs> I'm playing, happy I'm, wife, happy life. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm playing man. golf with a buddy one time, and he says... <laughs> No. He said, I'm I get two it. damn days a year, and this year I didn't even get my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and Valentine's Day wow. is the other day. Huh? <laughs> damn. <laughs> tell your friend, so, I, no, tell your friend I have a card. Let's tell your friend back. I have let's, a card Let's go him. back. Okay, let's go back. Okay. Single people doesn't cost you anything, okay? Don't, if you're single, if, if you, okay, if, if you're single, if you, if you aren't attached, then, yeah, no big whoop, okay? What was the first part of that question, though? Can you go back to that, please? Uh, it, some sort of a conspiracy or whatever um, you're saying. He just said it's a, it's a slap in the face of single people. But what was the first part of it? Oh, it's uh, unfair, I think he said, to... Uh, where did it go? Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's not Valentine's a real day, day, I thought. There Valentine's day. Here you go. Valentine's Day is a rip-off rip off to couples. couples and a slap in the face to singles. Leave it. I'm, okay. If you're single, doesn't matter. Get this attached, all right? And people are looking for love on Valentine's Day, looking for lust on Valentine's Day, okay? Uh, it's not a rip-off for couples. Again, like Greg said, stimulate the economy. Stimulate to stimulate. <laughs> can you... Can Destiny from from across the... <laughs> from, yeah, the you can, who does the ballet? It does ballet. You can, you can stimulate the economy on Valentine's Day. Does, well, that, does that count? I'm, no, sure. I, don't, I don't think Destiny's about love. You also said lust. Well, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Then let's do that. Yeah, let's let's throw that in there, Carrie. And yeah, it's so it's not a ripoff. So, it's not a ripoff. Here, okay, do what you got to do. I want to make sure that we do this, okay? The little candy hearts, the hard candy hearts. I don't want you throwing those up on the stage to Destiny on no, Valentine's no, 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 Night. No, no, no. Okay, just make sure while she's doing her ballet, and make sure that it's just real. Ca- and maybe on Valentine's Day, yeah, maybe throw a fifty in there. Okay, so that's, that's enough of that <laughs> silliness. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> thank you, Randy. I did not, didn't think it was going to go there. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and we still have 12 days before Valentine's Day. Oh, this is going to be fun. Somebody's getting flowers. Somebody, somebody <laughs> right now who's listening to this show doesn't expect to get flowers, but somebody is going to know said person's address. And that person is going to get flowers on Valentine's Day because we have provided this information on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our fresh take. Are the Cardinals in trouble against their division rivals in 2023? That is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. 
That's BlueNile.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb. Babe. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. Okay, campers, rise and shine. And don't forget your booties because it's cold out there. Today. It's cold out there every day. What is it, Miami Beach? No, <laughs> hardly. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive or the morning zoo, whatever way you want to put it on Groundhog Day 2023. It is 7 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. <laughs> Do it all over. Okay, I don't want to mess with you. It's Groundhog Day. It's really 8.07. It's Carrie. I'm Randy. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. You're going to do that every hour. <laughs> okay. Your, Carrie, your wish right, is our command. Every hour. Right. <laughs> the top of the hour. <laughs> so the Cardinals will open spring training in 12 days, and the Athletic got their beat writers together from the National League Central to kind of review the division. Can the Brewers or Cubs catch the Cardinals? And the Brewers beat writer, who all the writers there do magnificent work at the Athletic, Will Salmon writes that uh, the NL Central oozes with mediocrity, but a couple of middling teams are at least showing signs of improvement, and the division contains a few up-and-comers worth getting excited about. Some apathy from fans and media stems from the general lack of spending within the division this winter, especially compared to teams on the coast. The Cardinals, Cubs, and Brewers will all compete for the division title. Uh, for Katie Wu from The Athletic, who obviously covers the Cardinals. She writes her opinion of the division. For the umpteenth year, it looks like winning 90 games will be enough to secure the division title. Thrilling, I know. For the most part, the National League Central should feature many of the standard storylines we've been accustomed to over the last few years. The Reds and Pirates are rebuilding still. The Cubs are trying to emerge out of one. And the Cardinals are, again, the favorites to win the division, though the Brewers should be worthy competitors. Is it the most enticing division in baseball? Certainly not. But hey, I'm an eternal optimist. This is Katie Wu writing. So let's see where it goes. And she points out that the Cardinals' best move of the offseason was to get Wilson Contreras, the best team that had an offseason in the offseason was the Cubs. And for Katie, the favorite to win the division, she writes, there are valid questions circulating about the Cardinals' outfield and pitching staff. But even so, it's still their division to lose. Kerry, I, I agree with Katie in that the Cardinals are going to be a 90, 92, 93 win team. With all of the nice moves the Cubs have made, I think they're an 85 win team. I think that's probably where the Brewers max out. And I don't believe that the Reds and Cubs are, are factors. So I, I do think that, like Katie wrote, the Cardinals, despite dissatisfaction with their offseason moves mm-hmm. are the favorites to win this division. Yeah, I agree as well. You, you you look at what the Cubs did. You get Dansby Swanson. They bring in Cody Bellinger. You feel like they, they were attacking. And, and, and they got a pitcher, too. They got uh, the right-hander from uh, the Yankees, who was with the Pirates. I, I, yes, yeah. I can't remember his name. Either. But the, the moves that they made, you felt like you would have wanted the Cardinals to be more aggressive in that manner. And the Cubs were. I still feel that 
the way that the Cardinals, their lineup is set up, whether or not Jordan Walker is in it from day one, I think that their lineup is set up to be more uh, uh, powerful, more potent than, than than most of the teams that they'll play against. They had a very good season last year, and I think they're just going to add mm-hmm. on to it. I think the issue or the concern is going to be the pitching staff, the health of the pitching staff. You know, are we getting the best of Jack Flaherty? Are we getting the best of Adam Wainwright? Are we getting the best of all of our guys? And if not, it's going to be a long season because I think that's the one, <clears throat> excuse me, the one concern that we didn't uh, take care of was mm-hmm. the, the pitching staff. We didn't the add rotation. the starting rotation. We didn't add that that name pitcher that I think most St. Louis fans thought we were going to yeah. go after this offseason. I agree. And Jamison Tyone was the, yeah, the pitcher of the Cubs yep. side. So they've got Stroman Tyone, Kyle Hendricks, who's a Cardinal killer, Justin Steele, Drew Smiley. they got a lot going for them in Chicago. But every single athletic writer picks the Cardinals to win the NL Central. And I do think that if everything goes bad for the Cardinals and everything goes really well for the Cubs, I think the Cubs could beat the Cardinals out. They have a nice uh, bullpen. Rowan Wick is still down there. They've signed Brad Boxberger. Rodriguez is their closer. They've got a pretty nice lineup. Tucker Barnhart is a former gold glove catcher. Uh, they've got Horner, who's one of the best defenders in baseball at second base. As you mentioned, they signed uh, Nico Horner. They've got some really young, talented players coming up. Hap, Bellinger, and Suzuki in the outfield, I think... If you have Hap Bellinger and Suzuki in the outfield, that compares to what the Cardinals have when they're all at their mm-hmm. best. So I, I think the Cubs are a threat. I think what the Brewers did during the offseason and in, in moving a guy like Hunter Renfro, I think they've regressed offensively from having what was a suspect offense anyway. And I don't think Christian Yelich is ever going to be what he was. Tyrone Taylor is a Cardinal killer, but their outfield right now is Christian Yelich, Garrett Mitchell, and Tyrone Taylor. Don't know a lot about them. Don't have much power at the corners with Urias at third and Telez at first, and then a middle infield of uh, Willie Adamas, who's terrific, but wasn't as good last year. And uh, then Owen Miller that brings up, uh, he's brought up to replace Colton Wong. I, I love their rotation. We all should. Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Lauer, Ashby. That's where they have to win, though. If Milwaukee's going to win, we, we were talking to Greg about winning one-run games. Milwaukee's going to have to win games 3-2 on a regular basis, 4-3 mm-hmm. on a regular basis, and have their bullpen be a shutdown bullpen. For me, Milwaukee, they they no longer became an issue for me when they traded Josh Hader. I, I feel like that mm-hmm. team Good went point. in a different direction uh, at that point. It was almost like they were giving up, and they were setting themselves up to go in a different direction for a few years to come. The Cubs, I was going to ask you, when you look at their their starting rotation, Stroman, Jamison Tyon, Kyle Hendricks, who just kills the Cardinals, does that strike fear in you, their, their, their starting rotation versus ours? If everybody is healthy there, mm-hmm. yes. Stroman was great in the second half. Tyon is a, a nice number two guy. Hendricks, I think Kyle Hendricks, if he's healthy— He's like the quintessential Cardinal pitcher. He is. Because of the fact that he uses his defense. And he's he's Adam Wainwright-esque, I guess, yeah. is the best. He's, he's kind of like, uh, what, Supon? Yeah. What he was. He's yeah. one of those guys. So, yeah, he, he's scary. And then they've got uh, some gas at the back end with a guy like Justin Steele. Then they've got more on the way. So, yeah, I think they're – I don't think it stacks up to the Cardinals. If Flaherty if, – if both – Teams are healthy. Yeah, the the X factor is Jack Flaherty because the Cubs don't have anything anybody that could approximate what Jack does. That's my only that that's my only fear of this Cardinals team is what do we get from the starting rotation? Yeah. What do you get 
every fifth day. What who is going to be that guy every day that's going to be you know leading this staff, leading this team out, and making sure we're not giving up you know crooked numbers yep. and innings. That that that's the most important thing. I think our, our lineup is going to score runs. I know we struggled at one point during <clears throat> during um, September. Mm-hmm. It was tough for us to score, but I think right now this is this is a lineup that is built to score a lot Agreed. of runs, but this this starting rotation has to be able to keep runs off the board. And here's the thing. Here's why I say what I say. I've believed this for a long time. If you have a number one, it changes your team. Because if you're the Cardinals, as an example, Flaherty against Stroman, you're taking Flaherty, right? Yep. Michaelis against Tyone, you take Michaelis. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, let's throw Jordan Montgomery in there as our number three guy. M- Montgomery against Kyle Hendricks, I-, I like that matchup a lot. Okay. Okay, so my number four is going to be Mats against Justin Steele. I like that m- matchup. And then Drew Smiley against Wainwright, I'm yeah. taking Wayno. I don't have Jack Flaherty. All of a sudden, it's Miles Michaelis against Stroman. Toss-up. Yeah. Montgomery against Tyone. Toss-up. Uh, Mats against... Hendricks, maybe toss-up, maybe Hendricks. Yeah. Uh, Wayno against Justin Steele, toss-up. And then my number six starter Dakota. is Dakota Hudson against Drew Smiley, toss-up. So I go from having the advantage in right. every game to at best a toss-up right. in every game because I don't have my number one. And that's why I believe a number one is so important, and that's why Jack Flaherty is so important to the Cardinals. Yeah, he is. His health, his, his him being here the entire season, having, you know, Pitching ideally 200 innings, 150 to 200 innings. If he can hit that number and have the success that we know he's capable of having, uh, I think he's going to have one of those breakout years, Cy Young type of year, you know, 15, 12 to 15 wins and and just going to be dominant throughout the entire season. That's what I'm projecting from Jack Flaherty, a healthy Jack Flaherty. And if that's the case, you're looking at a team that is 90 plus wins in the Cardinals and a problem Come playoff time. That's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and that's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. The Blues taking some time off. John Kelly is going to join us to talk some Blues hockey, where we're headed after this break. He is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. It is the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And we head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Our friend John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues, joins us a few days off in terms of broadcasting for JK. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Randy. How are you? Everything's going good here. And obviously, a disappointing stretch before this break for the Blues. And this is, if ever there was a time to hit a reset button, this is it for the St. Louis Blues, isn't it? Yeah, no question. You know, they've lost five in a row and obviously missing some key players. And hopefully out of the break, they can get some of those injured players back in the lineup, including O'Reilly and Buchnevich and Robert Thomas. So, you know, you look at it, Randy, three of the top six forwards on the sidelines the last couple of games. But the bottom line is they didn't play well enough at all on the road trip. They lost all three games, as we know. And their top players did not have a good road trip. And, and are not scoring goals. I mean, they got a power play goal from Shannon in Colorado. Barbershev scored a goal 
in Denver, a great individual effort. But aside from that, none of the top players scored goals. So it's really hard to win in any sport when your your best players aren't your best players. I know it's a cliche, but it really is true. So they've got to find a way to play better. But right now, the, the facts are they're eight points out of a playoff spot, and they've played more games than almost any other team. So they're obviously in a lot of trouble as far as making the playoffs now. Hey, John, I asked this to Panger on Monday. With you all being so close to the team, uh, it, obviously it wears on you when they're not playing uh, well as well. Uh, how do you take this time, or what are you doing in this time off since you're not calling games for the Blues for a few days? Well, just relaxing. Uh, my wife and I have a daughter um, at KU, and we're going to go see her this weekend. So, you know, get a chance to, to reconnect with uh, our youngest daughter. So aside, aside from that, just uh, – a few projects around the house and things like that. But no big plans, though, Kerry, right now. J.K., what do you think will the, the time between the 10 games, between the end of our break here and the, the trade deadline, what will that look like for the Blues? Hopefully they'll at least be closer to getting Ryan O'Reilly back. But do you uh, they want to go for it. But I, I wonder what it'll look like in terms of, the players, there's always a lot of tension, right? Right before trade deadline, regardless of how good you are. What what do you anticipate in those 10 games before the break? Well, I think it's hard to say, Randy, because we don't know um, what might happen between now and the end of the break. And, you know, it's basically a month away before the trade deadline. And there's a lot of rumors surrounding the Blues players. I don't need to tell you guys that. All the unrestricted free agents including O'Reilly and Tarasenko and Barbashev in particular. Even Nola Chari's name is coming up a lot on social media. And, you know, you read the experts and the insiders and things like that. So, uh, you know, what will the mood be like? I don't know. I mean, I, I, it depends on uh, the makeup of the team. And if they do start selling off some of these UFAs, um, what do they get back, number one? And, and what is the mood? But obviously, you know, big picture, it's, a, it's extremely disappointing for the team and the players and the fans to be in this position, Randy, because we all felt coming into the season after 109 points last year that it would be another really strong year and the Blues would be cup contenders. Instead, it looks like, and I say looks like, they will be sellers here in the next month or so, and, and that in itself is obviously very disappointing. Hey, John, we as fans and, and media personalities look at players as pieces sometimes, but how do you, how unsettling is it for those men in that locker room to have their names mentioned in trade talks and not know if they're going to be here, you know, in the next month or so? Well, I'm sure it is unsettling, but they're big boys, and, and Kerry, they know the situation that because they are UFAs, that there's a decent chance that. Uh, some of them will be moved. I can't imagine all of the UFAs will be moved, including Nikola. But that's just the reality of sports today. So, But I think big picture for the team, obviously, it's unsettling because you don't know if the guy in your locker next to your locker is going to be there next week or tomorrow, for that matter. So it's obviously a difficult situation. And, you know, the Blues played like that, quite honestly, in the last five games. Uh, they had good stretches of games, but, you know, they didn't start the games very well. And obviously... They've lost five in a row. So right now, they're they're unfortunately, they're playing like an unsettled team. I think it's pretty obvious. Hey, John, I was asking Randy this the other day, and, and they have 10 games when they return until the trade deadline. Let's say they go 8-2, and two, and they are in a position to, to make a run towards the playoff. Do you, th- do you still think that they are sellers at the trade deadline? Well, you know, that's a tough question. Right now, they're a couple of games under 500. So if they were to go 8-2, and two, 
that's six games over 500, then they would be four over 500. You know, I think the rule of thumb, guys, is you've got to be at least 10 games over 500 to make the playoffs. That would give you around 92, 93 points. And, and that's a minimum of being 10 games over 500. So right now they're two under. So with 31 games to go, you know, even if you went 21 and 10, that's 11 over, you only end up nine games over 500 at the end of the year. I, my math is right. And, and that's a really good run, obviously, 21 and 10. So, you know, the numbers obviously don't lie, and, and time is running out on the on this team and this group this year. So, again, big picture, it's really disappointing to, to look at the big picture and see where they're at, um, but they'd have to go on a, on a near-miracle run now to make the playoffs, no question. Finally, John, the, the top half-dozen teams in the West have played between 50 and 53 games. Dallas leading the way with 66 points, and Edmonton is with 60. Those are It's Dallas, Winnipeg, Seattle, the Kings, the Knights, and the Oilers. Clearly, from a standing standpoint, nobody has established themselves as the best, but who do you think the best team in the West is right now? Well, that's a, that's a good question because I think the West is really wide open. I, I think in the East you have, you know, three or four powerhouse teams, but in the West I don't see a powerhouse team right now. Now, if Colorado does get healthy, obviously they're a powerhouse team. Although I don't think they're as good as they were a year ago because they've lost Naz and Kadri, and you know they just don't have the same kind of. Um, enthusiasm, if you will, that they had a year ago. I mean, last year from the from the first game on, they were the best team. They played like the best team, and obviously they went on to win. Now, who knows what happens, Randy and, and Kerry, in the next month. They could add a second-line center. But right now, to me, there's a pretty big hole as far as that second-line center position for Colorado. So, you know, I don't know uh, what's going to happen if anything does happen there. But I think aside from that team, I think it's, it's, it's really wide open. No question about it. Obviously, Dallas has had a, a, an excellent, excellent season. Uh, Winnipeg is a team that, to me, is a bit of a dark horse. Um, obviously, they've, they've beaten the Blues three times. But if they can continue to get great goaltending from Connor Hallebach, I like their forward group. Who knows? If they were to add a defenseman, to me, they could be a team that could come out of the West. But I think right now, I'd, I'd say it's wide open in the West. J.K., always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time, and safe travels to Lawrence, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues on Valley Sports Midwest, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio, and coming up, we have the fight on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Mike. Mike, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good, guys. How are you? We're doing well. Now, we've been getting texts over the last, I don't know, Rock, what'd you say, last two, three weeks, yeah. months? Yeah. I don't know. Where people are. It's very, been a lot. Yeah, it's been really it's been popular in the last two weeks. They, they, people are very frustrated because Randy has not taken any losses, at least in, in not, none this year. 
he's been he's been he's been beating people down. And so, Mike, our hopes, all of St. Louis's on, hopes Mike. and dreams are laying on your hands. Come on, Mike. We're waiting on you well, to I'm, be the one. I'm not claim, I'm not claiming that I'm going to beat them, but I'm sure going to try like heck, guys. There you like go. A dream come to me. So that's all we need. That's a, that's all we can ask that's for. That's all we can ask for, Mike. Are you ready to roll? Yes, I am. All right, here we go. Which former Blues coach was the first ever to reach 1,000 NHL wins? Ken Hitchcock, Joel Quinville, Quinville, excuse me, or Scotty Bowman? Oh gosh, guys! I mean, I, Scotty Bowman is the obvious choice, I would think, but something tells me I'm not going to be right. But I'm going to say Scotty Bowman. All right. Before this week's move for Sean Payton, who was the last coach to be traded to another team for draft picks? Was it John Gruden, Herm Edwards? Or Bruce Arians? I'm going to say it was John Gruden. All right, Mike. Luka Doncic just dropped his fifth 50-point game of his career, tied for the second most before a player's 24th birthday. Who is the only player in NBA history to drop seven 50-point games before they turn 24? Is it Wilt Chamberlain, Shaquille O'Neal, or Rick Barry? I'm going to say it was Rick Barry. Which manager finished his Cardinals career the most games above 500? Was that Tony La Russa, Charlie Comiskey, or Billy Southworth? Charlie Comiskey. All right, we'll double-check our score, and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. Mike, how you feeling? Um... Well, let's put this way. I've went for it. That's all I can say. Guys. That's all you can ask. I mean, you you give it everything you got, and you leave it all out there. You you play to win the game is what they told I us. Did. I did. <laughs> Randy is bringing in his diet, Doctor Pepper. Is that is that a is that your second soda of the year? Uh, it's actually my third. Third soda of the yeah. year. We we, uh, oh, we I, might we might have him off his game, yeah, uh, Mike. Well, something's got to be off my game. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Mike. Yeah, I'm distracted. Mike. <laughs> I don't, I don't Mike. know what happened out there. <laughs> Mike, good morning. It's great to have you with us. Thank you for, very much hey, for joining Randy. us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. It's a pleasure to meet you. I, honest to God, it is. Thank you. All You're right. very welcome. Randy, you ready? Ready. All right. Here we go. Which former Blues coach was the first ever to reach 1,000 NHL wins? I think that was Al Arb. No, 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 no. It wasn't Al Arb. He has in the 700s. It's Bowman. It's Scotty Bowman. I think he's still the only guy over 1,000. Before this week's move for Sean Payton, who was the last coach to be moved for draft picks to another team? I believe there was somebody after John Gruden. Um, Let's just think about this for one second. There was somebody recent, um, like a, a number two pick, moved. Um, okay, let, let me just uh, zip through these. Rams, Niners, um, Cardinals didn't do it. Uh, Seahawks didn't do it. Cowboys, Redskins, Eagles, um, Giants didn't. So we've got the NFC South, Falcons, Saints, Panthers, and Bucks, and then we've got the North Packers, Lions, Vikings, uh, Bears didn't, and then okay, I'll do the lifeline. I don't want to go through the whole AFC and take up all the time. <laughs> John Gruden, Herm Edwards, or Bruce Arians? Arians had retired, but I don't think Tampa had to give anything up for him. 
Herm Edwards did require compensation, and that was after Gruden. So Gruden was 02, and I think Edwards might have been 06 after DV. So I'm going to go Herman Edwards. All right, Randy. Luka Doncic just, just dropped his fifth 50-point game of his career, tied for the second most before a player's 24th birthday, who is the only player in NBA history to drop seven 50-point games before they turn 24. LeBron seems to be the logical choice here because he came into the league when he was 18 out of high school. And Kobe had to actually, he kind of had a red shirt year. Trying to think of the premier scores. I don't think McGrady did that. I know Garnett didn't do that. And LeBron was the man. So I'm going to go LeBron. All right, Randy, which manager finished his Cardinals career the most games above 500? Okay, Tony. Boy, he had those. I can't imagine that it wouldn't be Tony because he rarely had a losing season. He had the 100-win season, the 105-win season, a lot of 90-plus win seasons, and he managed here for such a long time and didn't lose much. I don't. He never finished, like, more than 10 games under. So I am going to go with most games over 500 with TLR. Randy Carricker came in with almonds, which are, it's a brain food, ladies and gentlemen, and he's got the cat and he's got the diet Dr. Pepper rolling. So he was dialed in. Does the winning streak continue or was Mike able to come in here in early February and take down Megamind? It's been a while. Was someone able to do it, or did the Dr. Pepper and Almonds combo win it? Ring that bell. The winner and new champion of the fight, Average Joe Listener. The fight is driven by Mobile On The Run. Join the On The Run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Long time since we've had a reason to hear that with the blues or with the fight for that matter. So, Mike, congratulations. You have taken down Randy Carricker for the first time in the year 2023. And it was a big win for Mike, a 3 1 win for Mike. Let's go through all the answers today. Which former blues coach was the first to ever reach 1,000 NHL wins? He's also the only coach still to ever reach 1,000 wins, is in fact Scotty Bowman. You both got that right. Before this week's move for Sean Payton, the last coach to be traded for draft picks was in fact Bruce Arians. They had to give up a sixth round draft pick to move him to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2019. You were correct. The only other one between those was Herm Edwards in 2005 from the Jets to the Chiefs. Luka Doncic dropped his fifth 50-point game of his career before his 24th birthday. That tied him with Wilt and Michael. It put him ahead of LeBron. Rick Barry is the only player with seven 50-point games by that young. Mike got that one right. And then which manager finished his Cardinals career the most games above 500? Tony LaRusso was 226 games above 500. Billy South was 274. Charlie Kaminsky finished 290 games above wow. 500 in his eight years as Cardinals manager. That gave Mike three for the win. So, Mike, you will be back tomorrow on the fight. Congratulations again for winning leg one. Awesome. Thanks, guys. It was, I mean, guys, I'm so excited. I'm going to call my wife. She's going to tell me I'm a liar. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Mike, congratulations. Thank you guys so much. Talk to you tomorrow. You job, Thank you. Uh, that's Mike on the fight on 101 ESPN. Congratulations to him. Hey, next up, Kyle Shanahan with a surprising statement yesterday out of San Francisco. Jimmy G not coming back. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're- 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. you guys can see Jimmy being back and if so what what would that look no I don't see any scenario of that that's our friend Nick Wagner from ESPN.com asking Kyle Shanahan head coach of the 49ers yesterday if there was a scenario in which Jimmy G could come back and the 49ers explained that they have two starting quarterbacks that they have confidence in in Trey Lance and Brock Purdy who is injured at the moment and also the way things have unfolded carry with Jimmy Garoppolo over the years. Last year, didn't spend the offseason with them with the assumption that he would be traded. Only Mm -hmm. came back because of injury and got a contract. He redid his contract. They saved some money. He was assured that he would not be franchise tagged at the end of this year. This is his opportunity to explore free agency. And with the fact that the Niners need to sign Nick Bosa, there, there isn't going to be money to sign Jimmy Garoppolo at the rate that he desires at this stage of his career. Well, yeah, he's uh, he, but he he's gonna move on. Obviously, that's what they said. It looked to me like John Lynch was maybe not on board completely when Kyle Shanahan was saying, "No, we don't see anything coming. We don't see him coming back." The question that I would have for the 49ers is, where do you go? You have a quarterback in Trey Lance who was coming off an ankle surgery. Uh, two of them, one of them, uh, to to fix the I think it was an infection that was in his leg mm-hmm. and. This is a quarterback that uses his legs or or you you brought him in because of his strong arm and because of his ability to run. And so now you have a quarterback that is coming off of an ankle injury. You have Brock Purdy, who is a quarterback, standard pocket passing quarterback, who's coming off of he's going to have to have elbow surgery. So you have two unknown quarterbacks on your roster going into the season for a team that has so much talent in Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, the, the Brandon Ayuk, the offensive talent that they have. You need a quarterback that is ready to play. And then, Randy, how many games started between those two guys? Between Brock Purdy NFL, and Trey Lance in the seven, NFL? Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, a nine. Dozen? A nine total. Is it okay. nine? Brock Purdy had eight, and I think Trey Lance got hurt ten. Trey Lance got hurt in game two. Right, right. So you, you got ten total starts between two quarterbacks that are both coming off of an injury. What What do you truly expect from them? For a team that is was one game away from the Super Bowl, that is prepared to make a run potentially next season, you got to have guys that are ready to roll and can lead that franchise, lead that organization to another opportunity to win a Super Bowl or make it to a Super Bowl. And I can't say with 100% certainty that either of those guys are the answer right now, specifically because they're coming off of injuries. So you've got seven months to go before the season starts. You made the investment in Lance, giving up three number one picks to get him. And uh, the quote yesterday from, well, the first quote from him was that he suggested he should be out of his walking boot by either today or tomorrow. And 
Shanahan said it looks like Lance will be pretty close around phase one or phase two of the OTAs. He said, we, hopefully we can ease him into drill work and things like that. And by OTAs, he'll be good to go. And then obviously would presumably be ready for camp. And then you just have to hope that over the course of those seven months that Brock Purdy can recover from either Tommy John surgery or rehab from that UCL injury and be ready to go. But I would, like you, be surprised if they wouldn't go out and get a budget veteran quarterback. And that's going to be a place, I would think, where a budget... Andy Dalton, where Mm -hmm. a, a guy whose only job is to put the ball in the hands of playmakers could go and sign a one-year contract for $2 million. I would... Andy Dalton, to me, is not going to resolve or, or solve any of the issues that you're going to have at quarterback. Unless you are saying that one of these two guys are going to be healthy enough to play to start the season, for me... Or for two weeks uh, until they're ready. Potentially. I, but for me... I'm looking at a guy like Derek Carr, and I don't, I'm, I'm sure that they don't want to have to sign a veteran quarterback that they're going to have to pay or you know take up some of that salary that if they, if if he gets traded, which I don't think he will get traded, I think they're going to cut him. Um, mm-hmm. But to to pay the salary for a veteran quarterback that Derek Carr would want, I don't know that I would be comfortable going into the season with two guys that have had ten starts between the two of them in their NFL careers for a franchise and both coming off of injuries. But this is the lot that they've cast. They were were prepared to do that last season. They were prepared to get rid of Garoppolo and hand the keys over to Trey Lance last year. I can't imagine that Shanahan's got an ego. I can't imagine that his thought process has changed that much. And by the way, He's given us every reason to believe that he can win with any quarterback you give him. <laughs> I'm sure he he does believe that he does feel that, and and so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how how they go about their business if they decide to go in that direction. Uh, but it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough decision for this organization if either one of those guys are not healthy or they don't play well. I think the other part of this that we have to look at is at some point. They're going to have to play these guys. Yeah. Right? So yeah. once once they're healthy, maybe you get off to a rough start if you're Trey Lance, and you, you're healthy, and you play the first four games, and they're not so great, but then by the time you get to the second half of the season, you're a veteran. At some point, they're going to have to bite the bullet and play the guy. Yeah, I, they are. and But I, I, there's, a, there's a chance, Randy, that they made a mistake on Trey Lance. There's a, yes. a chance that they went up and drafted someone you know, at that at that point, and he is not the guy that they need him to be. And mm-hmm. Brock Purdy could be the guy, but he he has to have elbow surgery. So you do not know what you're going to get from either one of those guys because Trey Lance wasn't lighting up the world in his first two starts. Obviously, the first game was in Chicago. It was a rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a downpour. So neither team had had much success passing the ball. And then he got hurt in game two. But he's a guy that has not played many games in his football life. Forget about NFL life. In his football life from college to the NFL, in the last three to four years, he hasn't played many games. And again, as I said, Brock Purdy, I just don't know what I get back after this elbow surgery. I know he's sharp. I know he's he understands football. I, I know he's able to get the ball out on time. But how does he respond from this elbow? Does he have the same velocity? Does he have the same arm strength? Is he able to make those throws downfield that he was able to make this season? It's, it, there are too many unknowns for me. If I am that franchise, if I'm John Lynch, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, for a team that I know can win a championship if we take care of our business. If if Brock Purdy plays that whole game, that game is different for the mm-hmm. Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. So let me give you two 
placeholder names. Number one, Taylor Heineke. Free agent. No? <sighs> no. Number two, Sam Darnold. No. Heineke seems... I mean, I like Heineke because... Don't you like you said? If you look at Garoppolo, it's about a guy who's not going to put your team in a bad position, not going to make mistakes. And Heineke, he he can make the throws that this offense needs specifically, but he's not going to make the, the mistakes similar to Jimmy G. I mean, playoff time, obviously that changes the equation. He's going to be a little bit more taxed, but as a holdover, I think he's a perfect fit for this offense. For me, with the way that this roster is set up. And, and they are a championship roster. They, they, and I say this all the time. There is a, a championship window that you are in. And when that window shuts, it's time to move on. This window probably has another two, maybe three years left. If if you're going to waste a year, I, I think that would be a wasted year on Taylor Heineke. I think it would be a wasted year on Sam Darnold. I think it would be a wasted year on Jacoby Brissett. And the question on Baker is, Baker Mayfield. Those are, those are, that's one wasted year in my opinion. And the, so... Here's the other thing, though. If you spend the money on Derek Carr for a year, then it's a wasted year of Trey Lance. It is. And and you got to figure, I mean, yeah. <laughs> is it about the team or is it about him? And so you have to make that decision because everybody is not going to be happy with, with what decision you make. So it comes down to, essentially, the evaluation of Lynch and Shanahan. If they believe that they can win with Lance, yeah. So you, you essentially give up a quarter of a season to let him become the guy that you want him to become, and you say, just like we talked about with Purdy last week. Okay, you've got Christian McCaffrey. You just if you have a problem, Trey Lance, just get the ball into yeah. the hands of twenty three. Yeah. But don't force him into a position where he has to win games for you. Let the talent win games for you, and let him. Um, Tom Brady, the, the, the same way the Patriots, and granted, the talent wasn't as good, but let everything else around Trey Lance be great and let him slowly develop, which is exactly what happened with Brady in New England. What about a name, and this just came over the text line and I hadn't thought about it, I, I mentioned it yesterday, but Aaron Rodgers for one season because that championship window is right now. He, he's gonna. He's more than likely gonna be traded. He's from. He's from California. Yeah. I think he grew up as a. It, there was. He thought he was gonna get drafted by the 49ers and they took Alex Smith when, when he had to sit there and wait. You know the entire draft. Here's the issue with Aaron Rodgers. If you get Aaron Rodgers for next year, you can't sign Nick Bosa to a long term contract because of the cap. So it's. Do you want Aaron Rodgers for one or Nick Bosa for seven? If I because get Aaron Rodgers, I'm probably winning the Super Bowl. If you don't sign Bosa, he's going into UFA or or a franchise tag yeah. where he's going to go through the roof on the franchise tag. Uh, well, I, I might have to cross that bridge when I get to it. I, I I I don't know. I mean, this is why they do what they do, and this is why we do what we do. Well, but right, I, I, think, I think their whole setup decision. about among about not signing Garoppolo is to be able to build that foundation around those. Young quarterbacks. Yeah, you, they, they're gonna. It's gonna be a tough task for them, and if especially if those young guys don't come back, bounce back from injury in in, in Brock Purdy's uh, situation, or if Trey Lance is unable to lead the franchise mm-hmm. in the manner in which they think he can, it's gonna be a tough task for them to try to win a championship if those guys don't play. But Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to he be. Won't be there. A part of it. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, the NFL salary cap has jumped again, and the NHLs. Well, it's not going up significantly. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
rise and shine, and don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there. It's today. cold out there every day. What is it, Miami Beach? <laughs> <Not> <laughs> hardly. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive, or the morning zoo, whatever way you want to put it on Groundhog Day 2023. It is 7 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Happy Groundhog Day, everybody. Great to have you with us. It's really 9.04, and really, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, is an officially it? licensed Rolex jeweler. Yes, it is. Is it? Yeah, happy Groundhog Day. Uh, Punxsutawney <laughs> Phil did see a shadow today, which legend has it means six more weeks of winter. Not great. That's only if you were in, what do we say, the, the Midwest and, and Northeast. Northeast. Yeah, it, 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 it doesn't apply for Jupiter, Florida, because it's Jupiter, Florida, Phoenix, 80, Arizona. 84 degrees. Yeah, down they, there? they got it going pretty good yeah. down there. How, how does that work? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't apply for certain regions. No, it doesn't. I guess it because it started in Pennsylvania. Hmm. So that must be it. Hey, the NHL uh, salary cap is not going up significantly over the course of time. It's unbelievable, Kerry. When you look, it's uh, the old uh, going back to our fugitive discussion, which we do pretty much every day. That company's a monster. <laughs> so De- Deputy U.S. Marshal Samuel Girard talked about uh, Provasic and uh, Devlin McGregor, and he might have as well have been talking about the National Football League because that company is a monster. So their cap goes up by $16 million. But on the flip side, the National Hockey League, which is an extremely, to me, consumable product, has seen their TV ratings tank. Uh, TV viewership in the second season of their deals with ESPN and TNT is down 22% which will cause problems in trying to sell advertising time for next year. So the Blues, already a cap-strapped team, the league, already pretty much a cap-strapped league, probably is not going to see their salary cap go up by a substantial margin in years to come. If you are NHL, Major League Baseball, uh, one of those sports, and and you're trying to I guess, get the attention or get more eyeballs on your product. Would you reach out to the NFL, maybe hire some of their marketing people, maybe hire some NBA does it pretty well as well. Hire some people in those organizations that can help you and figure out how to get more people watching your program. I, I, I think of the NFL and we talk all the time about, you know, it, it's king, right? They're, people are going to mm-hmm. watch it no matter who's playing. They, they bet on the Pro Bowl. They're still going to bet, bet on the Pro Bowl and they're not even playing football. It, it's going to be one of those things. The NFL has done a great job of marketing their players. And I think when you look at NHL and MLB, I don't know that the casual fans – could tell you who Alexander Ovechkin is. They wouldn't be able to tell you if he were walking down the street what he looks like. They'll, mm-hmm. Oh, that's 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 Alexander Ovechkin or, or Mike Trout. That's the that's their issue. That's baseball's issue. That's hockey's issue. Is they don't have the people that are the great pl- players in their league visible enough, and people don't know who they are. If Jalen Hurts walked down the street right now, people would know who he is. Patrick Mahomes, not just because he's playing in the Super Bowl, you would know their star players. And and I think that that's the difference for Major League and for NHL. And that's the thing that's that's causing them to not be able to make the money or garner the money that they, they need to to pay their players. But here's where I would find issue with what you're suggesting. And I think it's a great idea. But the guy who was behind the marketing of Bird and Jordan and the guy who was behind the marketing of uh, Magic – 
was Gary Bettman. He came from the NBA. He's 30 mm-hmm. years now as the commissioner of the NHL, but his bailiwick was enhancing the visibility of players in marketing in the NBA. Right. And if it's not going to work, if you aren't going to steal the NBA's guy and have it work, I don't know that it's going to work if you steal from the NFL. I think Has he done that, though, in the NHL? I, don't, ha- I think they've tried, and they, to an extent... When they had people like Hall and Chelios and Iserman and obviously Gretzky, they were able to do it. But I think now the the NFL was a different animal 30 years ago mm-hmm. when he took over the league. The NBA, obviously, has grown substantially. And baseball and hockey have fallen off. To me, what they need to do in hockey is just be self-aware enough to understand that they are what they are. They are a regional sport. Mm-hmm. They aren't going to become a national sport. They aren't going to compete, even with the NBA, on a national level. Take the money that TV will give you, but and it, don't stop trying, but you also have to understand that in the pecking order of major pro sports, you're number four, Yes, and MLS is on the way. So what you have to do is try to maintain what you have, maintain the fan base that you have, and understand, I think the big thing, understand that you are a sport that's at its best when people are in your arena. It's not a, we we love it because we love the blues, right? but the casual observer with the small puck, you tune into a game on TV, and especially younger people that are watching on, a, to, on, a, on an iPad, uh-huh. it's, it's just not up. as compelling. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how you make the game... Better. I, I, hockey is an outstanding game, especially a, a live hockey game. Like at the game mm-hmm. is is probably the best sport to watch live of of all the big four because it's nonstop action. It's you, you, people running into each other. It's guys skating as fast as possible, taking taking shots, and goalies making big saves. It's it's exciting to see, but for whatever reason, it has not garnered the attention that the other sports have. And I, I think with football. Part of the the frustration for fans is when they took out some of the big hits. We understand Mm -hmm. hockey also had that. They had the big hits. They had the fights. Those were the things that they that that casual fans could could lean on and say, oh, that's exciting. They don't have that as much anymore. So that could be a part of it as well. Now, obviously, you don't want to bring that back. And and because you're talking about safety and player health and all of those things. But it's not as as exciting for a casual fan to be able to watch a hockey game as it would be you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. So here's the bottom line. And this is the way the end of the piece in The Athletic about the bad TV ratings reads. It's a slow bleed, not a year-over-year cratering. Playing for ties, boring commentators, terrible star marketing, like you talked about, a failure to grow the game as a national American TV product rather than one reliant upon 90,000 people in southwestern Pennsylvania tuning in like clockwork for all of Sidney Crosby's games. We're trying to find the guy who did this. Those issues are as real as they are longstanding, and they're not neatly wrapped up in any one data point, let alone something as fickle as TV numbers. Remember it today and remember it in a few months. After almost 20 ABC games got folded into the calculations, that'll fix the ratings. The bigger problems aren't going anywhere. And that's why I say that they need to be self-aware and understand that if it's a slow bleed to reduce the number of people and eyes that are on your sport, it's going to be a slow climb to you. And you have to find a way to slowly but surely build it back up. You said a 22% drop? Yep. That's drastic. And here's the, the issue. The 22% drop is primarily because this year ESPN, for whatever reason, I guess just because programming, but they put their games up against Sunday Night Football. 
Yeah, that's not smart. No. That, that's not a person aware. As I said, you get hire somebody from the NFL and tell you, hey, it could be the Jags and the Houston Texans. Don't put this game up against them because it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. People are going to watch football. That's that's a self-awareness understanding of who you are and where you are. And they clearly haven't been doing a good enough job of that. I, I To me, it... it it, it, it's about the stars. One thing that we always talk about, TNT and Shaq and, and, and Charles Barkley talk about it and laugh about it. Man, why we always got to watch the Lakers? You mm-hmm. know why we always have the Lakers on? Because the Lakers sell. They're marketable. They are marketable. Yep. Even whether they're good, same thing with the Cowboys, good or bad, people are going to watch, they're going to talk. So if hockey wants to build that brand up, you're going to have to show the star players over and over mm-hmm. and over again that's why, for me, Michael Jordan is the greatest player to ever play. I got to watch him every single night on mm-hmm. WGN. That was why he was the greatest player, because Chicago understood, we're going to put these games on in St. Louis because St. Louis doesn't have a basketball team. Right. And we're going to let you watch him every single night. That is the marketing strategy of of very good franchises and very good organizations. And until the NHL decides to... This is our star player. This is the guy that is a, a 50 goal scorer. You might see him 30 times this season on ESPN. But you're going to know TNT. who he is. But you will know who the hell he yeah, is. Absolutely. That, a guy who is, uh, that's Kerry. I'm Randy. That's today's big thing. I'm 101 ESPN. A guy who's thought a lot about this and uh, has great business acumen is former Blue Kelly Chase, who will join us next here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and it's always great to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line when our friend Kelly Chase is on the other end, former Blue, former Blues broadcaster, and now an entrepreneur that is uh, one of the investors in Hippos Cannabis, and uh, Monday is a big day here in the state of Missouri for Chaser and uh, Brett Hall and Barrett Jackman and all the people at Hippos and all the people that want to live a better life. Chaser, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, on uh, February 6th, that's this coming Monday, that's the date for legal sales of recreational cannabis in the state of Missouri. And I know that you and uh, the the Hippos people got in on the ground floor of trying to alleviate a lot of pain and just improve the quality of life for people. Well, it's interesting you say that because I think a lot of people, I'm, I mean, me being one of them, uh, was a naysayer uh, at cannabis uh, for the longest time. And I've, you know, I've never smoked uh, marijuana, but I've been an advocate since I had, as you know, and well documented my brain lesion and, and was at the Mayo Clinic watching some of the trial runs and how it sort of had affected uh, different types of people with different episodes and when I say that I mean whether it be epilepsy or uh, you know Parkinson's different different things in in the CBD world and in in cannabis world it was it making a huge difference of them and then there was a pain relief start of it so you you started it was a long time ago and I was like man I don't know now I never ever did a drug when I played because for two reasons one I 
I was, uh, you know, not good and it was illegal and I was never good <laughs> enough. It was, I was never good enough to get caught and think I could recover from it as far as a player. I was always going to be the guy that was going to be ousted. So I didn't do it. And the second reason is, is probably because I'd like it. And I thought, well, well, if I'm going to be the guy that's going to be, you know, doing something like that, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just not uh, going to go down that path. But then I started realizing all the effects of it. And then I became... Um, involved with the Alumni Association league-wide, and I started to realize how many guys were affected by that opiate uh, pandemic, and the guys that I'm sure, you you know, you you talked with any of the athletes, football is a great example of guys that go through pain. And it was just, whether it was Oxycontin or whatever it was, it was just debilitating for some of our former athletes. And if you're in Canada, for instance, and you became that guy that was on a list to get an operation, you're viewed as a you know, you're a thirty-five-year-old guy that's done playing hockey, and you've been done a couple of years, and all of a sudden your your ankle you broke is is really bothering you. You need surgery. Well, you get on a list, and you're viewed as a very healthy, able body, so you could be three, four years. Well, what do they give you for three or four years to get alleviate the pain? But they, you know, they were starting to give us pain pills that would certainly alleviate the pain, but become another problem, and it was addiction. And um, I started to look into more and more on how it could help people. And then I got involved with, uh, you know, when, it, when when I heard it may come to, to Missouri, I got involved and I found a way to, you know, start, um, I guess, in Jeff City, starting to kind of push for it and say, this might be a good option. Did more and more, uh, I guess, inquiries with guys around the league that were suffering and finding out that, boy, it was a great alternative for a lot of guys. So, so we got involved in it and we ended up getting licenses and became a part of it through uh, the, the process of, of, of both the medical side of it. And, and then uh, we got cultivation manufacturing and a couple of dispensaries. So yeah, rec changes things considerably here coming up on Monday. Um, and again, that wasn't the initial process that we had to go through to, to know that it was just going to be recreation, but it does make a huge impact, I guess, uh, on what we've invested into the, into the company. Hey Kelly, I uh I am a I have an affinity for people that punch people in the face, and so I have seen you have many fights. Uh, can you tell us about one of your your best fights, or was there one time where you got into a fight and thought eh, maybe I shouldn't have done that one? Oh yeah, there's been a few of those actually, but, uh, <laughs> but actually, you know, it's funny because I'm going to um, go on with Frank Cusimano uh, on uh, Sunday, and he asked me the same question. He said, hey, "Is there something you can pull up?" And, well, I mean, there's a, there's plenty of them that come to mind. Obviously, the one I had with Twister because it was so popular in St. Louis, based on the fact that you know we were we were you know we grew up together, right? We grew up in Saskatoon. We grew up in uh, playing junior hockey together and became you know you know we were best friends. He's living in my house, and there's a lot of reasons for us to you know people that make a big deal out of it, right? Um, and again, like for me, it was it was one of those things where you know it, we you know. It's like going to war with another man sometimes when you're fighting with him. But, it, <laughs> it, but, it, but it, you know, made an impact because obviously people on my team knew, hey, he really cares about us because he's got himself in the middle of this rat's nest with this guy. And secondly, I think it stood alone for me to separate myself because I always, we, we made a joke that it was always a race for chase when there was a fight to happen. Um, I can I assure you if they had to pick between me and him, they were coming after me, so it's always the race for Chase. And the other time that I think about it is Francois LaRue. Mark Crawford had sent him out to fight with me, and Twister wasn't playing in the game, and he was a big six foot seven guy at 250 pounds. 
And I'm looking across at him, and I'm thinking, oh, boy, like, talk about overmatched right now, you know. And Mark Crawford just kept yelling after yelling and yelling and yelling at me, try him, you're going to get it this time, try him. <laughs> and uh, it was the last game that Francois LaRue played in the NHL. So uh, not only did I think I got the better of him, he dislocated his shoulder when he went down, and I gave him a few more when he was down, and I was, just as a reminder, and I went to the bench and went, whew, that was a tough one. But I was great. I was grateful to be to be swinging still at the end of it. And I turned around to Mark Crawford and, and I said, "If I ever see you somewhere, you're getting it next." <laughs> so, that was the one that sticks out in my mind for sure. Yeah, Kelly Chase with us on 101 ESPN and Chaser. We have a, a young crowd that listens that I'm sure many of whom haven't heard this story. You mentioned that you weren't good enough to to get in trouble. But if you're running with the right guy, you were good enough to borrow the coach's car. So uh, can you relate that to some of the the, – Kelly doesn't – or Kerry doesn't know this story. Uh, Well, after a game one night – that are wearing Pops 
security jackets and orange outfits from East St. Louis and everybody that may have danced over there at that time of the night <laughs> in one of the establishments were all standing around the glass at practice <laughs> standing on the glass and I was like I did an entire practice where I did every drill out of one corner where the Zamboni was so nobody could stand on the glass and Garth would just get over and goes what in the hell did you guys do last night and every single Oh, a form of life from that east side was over at our <laughs> in the breakfast with us. It was complete chaos. I was like, oh my God. And he didn't bother holding a bet. He's like, ah, don't worry about it. What are you going to do? you? And I'm like, no, they're going to send me the miners. They can't get anything for trading me for God's sake. Unbelievable. One of the all time greats. I love it. By the way, I saw you, uh, they, I don't know if they you knew that. When uh, the Blues were in Arizona, they, they had a shot of you and Grace on the glass uh, at, at that game. And uh, I was thinking to myself, man, if I could be a fly on the glass in an NHL rink, it's right in front of Kelly Chase and Mark Grace. Yeah, that was entertaining because he's been a, a St. Louis fan for so long. And the unfortunate part about it was is the way we, uh, we, we finished and played that game. That was the bad part. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that was bad. Hey, we're looking forward to uh, the continued success of Hippos, Chaser, and uh, you have great uh, locations in Chesterfield, Springfield, and Columbia now. And like I said at the top, you're a great entrepreneur. You're employing over 100 people and doing things to, like I said, improve people's, uh, whether it's through gummies or whether it is uh, smoking, it, it improves way, people's way of life because the, the opioid we had a pandemic. The opioid pandemic has been as devastating as anything for our country. And this is a great way to work around and hopefully uh, at some point solve that problem. Well, look, at it. it's not for everybody. OK, but if you if you really if you really are having problems, whether it's pain management or whatever it may be and and and. and, and you know, if you just look at it from an alcohol perspective, it's it's legalized, and and if you monitor it properly, then you're going to be fine. And I think this is a little different because it's it's a natural uh, remedy for a lot of different things. Well, so it doesn't matter what you suffer from, but if you if you really uh, go through the process and understand it, you'll understand that there's a lot of good properties in it that can help. And so we're excited about recreation as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know we're I'm a guy that did a lot of homework and a lot of work and put a lot of money and time into it because I, I, I've, I've seen the devastation from the other side of it, and that's why I got involved. Chaser, you know I love you, and we appreciate your time today. Good luck with this, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. All right, take care. That's uh, the great Kelly Chase, one of the most entertaining people in the world. That was, us. that was fun. Isn't that, that great? Randy, let me tell you something. If you go into work with the same clothes you had on the night before, <laughs> the sheer panic that 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 shoots through you, especially if you are a guy, you know, on the on the brink. Like you you could be here, you could be up, you could be down. When you're one of those guys and you're hanging out with one of those other guys and they know I'm good. Hey, what, what are they gonna do? What are they gonna do to me is not what they're gonna do to you. It's not the same, sir. We aren't the same. 
<laughs> you don't understand that because you're in this bubble. You, your life is different than mine. I'm scratching and clawing here. You're good. And you've got the assistant GM slash head coach saying, you're not good enough to hang out exactly. with that guy. <laughs> I understood that wholeheartedly. Uh, that's, that's Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Coming up, we haven't done sports jail in a while. And if you want to put somebody in sports jail for whatever reason, you can by just texting in to 314-399-9646 on 101 ESPN. Sports Jail is next. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. In the real world, repeat offenders go to jail. All right. I'm putting cases on all you. You shout like that, they, they put you in jail right away. No trial, no, no nothing. You're stealing right to jail. You're playing music too loud, right to jail, right away. In the sports world, repeat offenders just get fired. Well, we're in the real world, and on this show we play by our rules. One, two, three, four, five. It's time for Sports Jail. Time for Sports Jail. Carrie, Randy, Matthew, you, the text line, 314-399-9646. Carrie, you know who should go to Sports Jail? Who? Ticket Brokers. Cheapest oh. ticket, cheap, cheap, cheapest ticket for the Super Bowl if you're a fan of the Eagles or the Chiefs that want to go to Glendale and walk in just buying one ticket to the Super Bowl, $4,714. That is ridiculous. Yeah. That is, it's not a laughing matter. It, it, is, it is ridiculous. Yeah. Ticket it, brokers. They are they, the ticket scalpers. They are, yep. they are doing everything they can to push this price uh, and make it really unattainable. But it's going to be a packed house. So it will be. That's but amazing the, in itself. The the fans that go to games, and it costs a lot, by the way, to go to a game in Kansas City or Philadelphia. It, it costs you know tickets probably two three hundred bucks, right? Mm-hmm. But most people can't afford a forty seven hundred dollar ticket. Not, I mean, definitely not two. You're going to go by yourself and be sitting next to a bunch of people you don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah, you so. nine thousand, ten thousand dollars for two tickets to the Super Bowl is outrageous. By the way, I've got one on the 50-yard line for you here if you'd like it, Kerry. How much? Uh, that one is uh, $12,500. Ooh, goodness gracious. Hmm. Randy, I have uh, an, an, an unpopular one. And when I said it yesterday, Rock w- kind of shamed me for it. But he's got to go to jail. And, and for, you know, until at least after the Super Bowl, uh, Joseph Asai. It's a mistake. Ooh. It was an involuntary manslaughter. What he did to the to the, can- <laughs> to the Cincinnati Bengals season. He he killed it. Not mm-hmm. not intentionally. It was a mistake. It was unfortunate. But he he does have to go sit down until after a period after the Super Bowl. I, I have one more um, that is on my heart and has been on my heart really since Saturday. And, and I think you all know who that is. That's one LeBron James. Rock. He's got to go to jail. This was this activity was fraudulent. It was it was harassment, really, of the referees. It, it, he, it, it maybe it's a misdemeanor, maybe it's a criminal charge, but he's got to go sit down for a few. I, I, he has to sit down until after he breaks that record for uh, okay for Kareem's all time score. In the jail, yeah, he's yeah. yeah, he's in jail. He's in sports jail until like then. it. Here, are you, are you gonna do your? Are you gonna do the, your original one? You're not gonna put the original guy you wanted to in sports jail. I did. Oh, you, you did. Okay. You, uh, Joseph Asai. All right. I just want to be. Yeah, he's right. he's in there. Unbelievable. He, he's there. So harsh. He's sitting down. Right. You didn't you didn't hear what I said? Involuntary manslaughter. Okay. He killed the he killed the the Bengals season. <laughs> Here's another one that I think is really good. This goes line along with Joe Asai. Brandon Staley. Somehow you avoided getting the boot, but you definitely deserve some time in the clink. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm with you there. I don't That's disagree with that. He he's he should. Uh, 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 he still got a job, and it's it's yeah. interesting. Be but better. Just be better. Yeah, you might be a good person. Be a better coach. <laughs> I don't oh think my that's gosh. asking too much. Is that is, is that too much? No, that's not too much at all. But <laughs> okay. man, that was I was not expecting that. Sports Jail, the 22 year old girls basketball coach who thought it was a good oh. idea to suit up and impersonate a 13 year old in order to play in a girls JV game. Got to go to Sports Jail. She's got to go to real jail. That, that was that was ridiculous. She was who signs up? Who does that? And, well, and, you're, you're, you're trying mean, to win. You're the coach. You're trying to win. Didn't somebody say one time, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying? <laughs> Speaking yes. of which, somebody says sports jail, Jerry Jones, just because. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, I like that. He should Good. be under the jail cell. How about the, uh, yeah, right. I was going to say sports death penalty. <laughs> <laughs> I put this Blues hockey team in jail, and you don't let them out until they learn how to back check and take care of the puck. Oh, man. Well, do you do do we have a disagreement there? No, I think maybe what we do is... Uh, like, you can't play any games if the entire team is in jail, though. But I'm thinking maybe an hour on the rink. Like, that could be ah. your, your time. Is uh, Have... A rink at the jail. Okay, that's a, it's called the yard, right? And that's <laughs> so right. you get an hour a day so that you can work on those things. And that's all you're working on. You know what? I, I always envision myself, Randy. There are two things as a coach that I I always wanted to do. If I was a basketball coach and I had a bunch of players complaining about not getting shots up, I would have a basketball practice with five balls. Hey, just shoot as many shots as you want. Let that's me know how it goes. Yeah, yeah. It's just or in football we don't have any balls. We're just gonna run until. Somebody gets tired mm-hmm. because, you know, we, we, we only have one ball, but let's have none. And nobody gets the ball. <laughs> Just going to figure this thing out. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great this, idea. This one of the ideas of, idea. of what you should do if you are, if there are things that you struggle with in games, mm-hmm. you get, you work on them. And, and, but work on them until somebody throws up. Yeah. Didn't uh, Coach Norman Dale yeah. and Hoosiers make his team practice without a ball at all? There you go. All yeah. day. Frustrating is that Matthew? Have you seen Hoosiers? I have. One of the all-time greats. I don't like it. How can you not like a Gene Hackman movie? Rock I, has- I, I mean, Gene. Okay, Gene Hackman's fantastic in the movie. I'll give him that. I don't. I, I listen. You know who needs to go to sports jail? Rock's me, basketball yeah. takes. Um, and thank Rock, you. You Jimmy Chitwood. Jimmy, Jimmy Chitwood <laughs> is the most overrated sports protagonist in any sports movie. I'll say Rock. it right now. You, you, your, 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 your basketball takes are are slowly but surely headed headed to prison, not jailed. Prison is a longer. We're gonna. It's a little federal time. It's what we're looking at. Gary, you you weren't here for uh, you know last week, obviously, but last week I think I did three different questions that had to do with like a, an incredible like Kobe Bryant stat, and I was like, seems like a stat that a uh, top ten player might have. Just gonna prove myself on that one. Jimmy Chitwood was a baller. Okay. <laughs> okay. Somebody says, "Listen, jail might be too harsh, but until we see what happens in spring training, I think Paul DeYoung should be on probation." Uh, he might already be he's on, on probation. probation. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's on a probationary period until yeah. he proves that he can uh, he can play and uh, do a good job. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's a, that's a pretty good one. Somebody says, "Can we go, can we put Cronky in sports jail?" But I just have one question: Can he be in a cell with OJ? Mm. Hey, that might be too easy. He, him and OJ would just be talking football. Yeah, be talking about their favorite places in LA to hang out. Like those guys a, would get along like thick, th- thick as thieves. I'd say. If you're going to say that, you might as well have had Aaron Hernandez there. Oh, also well, true. If uh, you were looking for a place to hang out. Oh, Randy, oh, Randy, oh, Randy. I'm just saying, Randy, Randy. <laughs> God. Come on. Come on. 
thought he killed a guy. Oh, my God. Or two or three. Yeah. Maybe more. Uh, I want to put Lamar Hunt. Shot a guy in the face. In the face. <laughs> spilling a drink on him? Yeah. Right? Hey, don't Jeez. spill a drink kind of guy. I want to put Lamar Hunt in sports jail. Lest we not forget that he was one of the main proponents of the Rams move out of sheer greed, thinking he could steal St. Louis fans and profit off of them. Okay, I hate to... Uh, you're an intelligent person, you but that's it. a stupid, ridiculous take that is quite uninformed. Hmm. What uh, I see what you did there. That what, was the, that was what we call that a uh, um, type of sandwich. Yeah. Bread is the compliment. The meat mm-hmm. is the the the, 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 the the getting at you, and then yeah. the other piece of bread. You, yeah. you just did that. Yeah, that's so very nice. Here's the thing. Very well done. Everything about the Rams move was driven by Jerry Jones and Stan Kroenke. What happened in that meeting in the morning, I was down there in Houston, with the relocation committee, was that Clark Hunt didn't believe, rightfully so, that from a business perspective, he's so the NFL is all about league think. What he told the people in that group was, look, this league should not have two teams in L.A. L.A. Mm-hmm. might not be able to support one team, which he has proven been proven correct about it. It had nothing to do with St. Louis and everything to do with league think. He said, we should only put one team there. The only team that was going there on their own was the Rams. Mm-hmm. The Raiders and Chargers were moving together to their own facility in Carson. That was the reason for his no vote. But to suggest that Clark Hunt, and there's no evidence of this that I don't think you could find and, and link to uh, to this for me to suggest that Clark Hunt was one of the leaders of taking the Rams out of St. Louis is preposterous, and I'm not. I have no emotional time. Just trying to get the facts is straight here. He it it was Jerry Jones, it was Steve Biscotti, it was Terry Pagula, and obviously it was Stan Kroenke and Roger Goodell. But it, Clark Hunt was staunchly on the side of the Midwest. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's fair to say. Um, let's go with uh, Sports Jail. The Memphis Grizzlies player who ran his mouth about the rest of the Western Conference, and since then the Grizzlies have lost seven or eight in a row. I Good for them. believe that was Dylan Brooks. Good for them. I, that was, well, when he, they've been, they have they won since they had the, the inter interaction with Shannon Sharp on the sideline? I don't think they have. Oh, oh yeah. Man, that's it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, yeah, and it was Dylan Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, hasn't gone well the for the Grizzlies. I went out, but hey, you can check tonight on uh, ESPN. It's going to be a 6 p.m. Uh, pregame uh, as the Grizzlies face off against the Cavaliers. Might be able to break it up. Good. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts to the Sports Jail here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, the former Seahawks linebacker, good guy, played a lot here in St. Louis. KJ Wright is next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. Welcome back to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Randy Carricker with you. Carrie Davis stepped aside for the moment, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line. A guy who played here in St. Louis with the Seattle Seahawks and one of the really great players for their Super Bowl teams, K.J. Wright, joins us now on 101 ESPN. K.J., thanks for your t- taking the time this morning. 
Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start with this. You had a chance to beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. And as it turns out, he's the biggest news of the football offseason so far because of his retirement. What are your memories, and I know they're vivid, of your Super Bowl mm-hmm. against Brady? I mean, it was definitely a night to definitely forget. But um, just facing Tom Brady, I faced him three times. And whenever you step on the field with Tom Brady, you know that it's going to be a tough, tough day for your defense. I mean, he is just hands down. People ask me all the time, who's the best player you play? Without hesitation, I say it's Tom Brady. Just stepping on the football with him, he is definitely the greatest football player of all time and arguably one of the greatest athletes of all time. There's just nothing he can't do on the football field. He is always in the game. He's always prepared. And everyone in the world knows that when this, when the game is on the line, it's a two-minute drill, and they need a field goal or a touchdown, some way, somehow, Tom Brady is going to find a way to execute and bring home a win for his football team and so on. Just a remarkable career. I mean, 20-plus years in the NFL, seven Super Bowls, all-decades team. There's, he's done everything possible under the football sun. And so for me to, you know, a small-town kid from Mississippi to step on the field with him three or four times and beat him and tackle him is just um, remarkable. And, um, you know, job well done for, for him. You got a sack against him? I, I tackled him. I tackled okay, him. You know, okay. he's scrambling and he, you know, he slid and I touched him down. But I didn't didn't get a sack on him. And what, one other thing about Tom Brady, you mentioned how even as a defensive player, you knew that he was going to be able to slice and dice and he could go on that 74-yard drive with 155 to go in no timeouts. But that has to be instinct, right? There are some things that football players can be coached to do and some things that are just instinctive. And it seems like he had an innate ability to find the open man. Absolutely. I call it the it factor. His, his it factor is, is greater than anyone that I ever faced on the football field. He knew what coverage the defense was in. He knew where the blitz was coming. He knew if you were going to drop eight and he was going to find a way to get the ball to his, his top receiver. And so he just understood the game so well. He's seen it all. He's done it all. And when it comes to the game on the line, he is just so calm. He's so cool under pressure. And um, just facing him, I face so many quarterbacks that get upset. They get rattled. He he does get that, but when he steps on the football field, he does not blink. He does not flinch, not one bit. And so, um, you know, he's just one of a kind. I haven't seen anything close to Tom Brady and definitely the hands down the best player I ever played against. All right, so that being the case, you haven't seen anybody close to Tom Brady, but you did end Peyton Manning's career. Uh, is it safe to say, would you agree that those are one-two? One-two, yep. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a one-two, and, I, and, and hear me out. I put. I know he didn't win a championship, but I put Philip Rivers in my top five as well. But um, you know, facing Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl, you know, the best offense that season in history of the game, and for us to face that offense and um, you know, hold them to eight points was shows how special our defense was. And so um, I played Peyton Manning a few times, never lost to him. But um, when he stepped on with his intellect, his intellect is crazy. He just always knew what was going on, making checks at the line of scrimmage. And, um, you know, definitely his, his name speaks for himself. But that's that's the one-two right there. Tom Brady first, then Peyton Manning. Former Seahawks linebacker K.J. Wright with us on 101 ESPN. And K.J., Joe Buck lives here in St. Louis. He's a friend of the show. And he's told us before that, obviously, going to practices for both teams during that week, his wife is from Denver. And in watching both teams, he said, hey, babe, sorry, but your team's in real trouble. Did you guys know that? Did, the, did you know that you were going to trample them that day? The Broncos? Yeah, listen, yeah, the Broncos. I was, 
I was talking to Bobby the when, the week when we was watching film, Bobby Wagner, and I was watching film. I was like, hey, bro, I was looking. I was like, this game does not have to be close. I was looking at the offense. They were okay, but what I was looking on the football film was it was more so bad defense than it was really great offense. And I said, the Denver Broncos have not uh, seen anything rem- anything close to the Legion of Boom. And I knew that when we stepped on that football field, we played our style of football, we uh, prepared, we played fast, when we trust each other, that this game could potentially be a blowout. I didn't think it was going to be 48-8 to or you know wherever the score was, 43-8. to but um, I knew that the game was not going to be close. And so um, that young, hungry defense that I was blessed to be a part of, we had our minds ready and prepared to put that to put that Super Bowl on our back. And so um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal performance. If you get a chance and you want to see some really good defense, go back and watch that tape and you'll see what it looks like because it was hands down one of the greatest performances in Super Bowl history. You guys, it was like you were playing with 15 guys on the field. You guys I'm were everywhere. <laughs> I'm telling you. And uh, what was the surprising part about the Super Bowl was the Broncos did everything we practiced, everything we prepared for. They didn't They didn't throw too many wrinkles in their offense. And so that was thoroughly surprising. When you have two weeks to prepare, you expect to see, see some new stuff. But, um, you know, we ran our robber coverage. We ran our cover three like we always do. And they could not figure it out. KJ, when you watch defenses now, when you, when you watch games – do you compare what you're watching, especially the, the defenses that are purported to be really good, and compare them to what you guys were with Earl Thomas and Sherman and yourself and Bobby and, and that great defensive line that got so much pressure? Do you make the comparisons? Absolutely, and I say that we are the standard of this generation. If you want to be considered one of the best, if you want to be considered a really great defense, it has to look kind of close to what we looked like. And I saw two defenses this season that looked like that. And um, I saw them up close and personal. That was the San Francisco 49ers. Um, that defense was just lights out all season. They were just like us in the simplicity of their scheme. They didn't run too much stuff. They'll blitz about four or five times a game. But you know what they're going to be in on defense. But they executed to a very, very high level. And they get very upset when you get anything on their defense. And um, the next defense was the Philadelphia Eagles, just watching them all season. Their pass rush that those guys have, you know, got Darius Slay on the back end. And um, those guys are very hungry as well. And so, those are the top two defenses this season. I saw that was remarkable. That was pretty close to the Legion of Boom. All right, we've got the Super Bowl coming up. We've got Kansas City and Philadelphia. Let's start with KJ Wright, the defender, going against Patrick Mahomes. And let's just assume that Kelsey is going to be healthy, and that uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Hardman, that Patrick is going to have his guys. What? From from my perspective, you're telling me, Randy, okay, here's what to watch for and here's how to defend them. How do you defend the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, anytime we play anyone, operation number one is to stop the run game. And so I look at Pacheco, and if that young man, if he gets his carries, I believe that the Chiefs really have a great game. And um, But he has to get the ball going. But we all know that the Chiefs are not going to run the ball. <laughs> I mean, they're going to have the ball, my parents, they have to keep you honest. But operation number one, is stop number 87. Wherever number 87 is, if he's on your side, if he's on the opposite side, if he's at tight end or a receiver isolated by himself, you have got to know where he is and adjust your defense accordingly, right? Because we know that with Patrick Mahomes, we'll see the health of his ankle. He looked pretty decent last week. 
but he's going to try to get the ball out to to Kelsey very quick. And they their chemistry, the the relationship that they have, you know that on a big time matchup and in the big time Super Bowl, he's going to want to get the ball to his guy. And so we know that when we stop him, we have a really good high chance of winning the ball game. All right, now let's look at the other side and a little bit more versatility in terms of running the ball for Jalen Hurts. What do we do against the Eagles? This man, here's the thing. This offense is more challenging to stop because they can run the ball with Miles Sanders. They can run the ball with Jalen Hurts. They have two number one receivers in A.J. Brown and and Devontae Smith on the outside. They have a solid tight end they could beat you as well. And so who do you take away? Who do you stop? And so this offense is way more challenging. And we haven't even mentioned the offensive line that they have as well. And so, so many weapons on this side of the ball. And there's no one guy you can double team. There's no one guy you can pinpoint on this offense that you have to stop because there's so many explosive weapons. And so, um, if it's me, if I'm the defensive coordinator, I'm trying to make Jalen Hurts beat me from the pocket and see if he can get the ball to A.J. and to his tightness all over the place. But this is a very hard matchup for any defense. K.J. Wright, you're a big fella. You played at 6'4", 245. Can you imagine a guy like Vilata, the left tackle for Philadelphia, 6'8", 365, and he's like a ballerina? It's unbelievable. I'm telling you, and I played that man last year, and just just so massive, and he's so quick and elusive, and um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal football player. And you just go across the board with, you know, you have Lane Johnson on the other side, and uh, he's a massive human being as well, and so... The, the the way that they put this team together, the way they drafted, the way they got aggressive in free agency, this is the blueprint of how you want to put together a football team. You start with the offensive line, you go to the defensive line, and you build out from there. And so um, I just love what, what um, Long has done with this team, and this team is going to be great for many years to come. Hey, KJ, right before we let you go, you had to play the St. Louis Rams from 2011 through 2015 before they left for L.A., and you guys were great, and the Rams never were, but they always gave you problems. Why was that? Why why did the St. Louis Rams always give the Seattle Seahawks problems? I hated coming to St. Louis. <laughs> I mean, when you step into the stadium and step onto the football field, it was always dark. You know, you played in you played in the dome. It's like they had the lights on twenty percent. And um, I remember we had to wake up very early. So it was always an early game. The turf was hard. They always pumped noise. Like during the game, I'm convinced that stadium was not that loud. They were pumping noise into their stadium and so on. Jeff Fisher just always had those guys going. They had Steven Jackson, um, Robert Quinn, Aaron Donald came on the scene. And um, it was just always hard. And so he just always had that team ready to play. And, and and honestly, when I was watching those guys on on defense, like they had about 13, 14 guys out there tackling Russell Wilson and so on. Great memories. Can't forget about Larry Nitus and Chris Long. So a lot of solid dudes over in the St. Louis Rams team. Hey, KJ Wright, we know that you have a burgeoning broadcasting career. You're going to be great at it. Great to have some time with you today. We appreciate it. And hopefully as... Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Career continues to unfold. We'll be able to keep doing this. Let's do it. K.J. Wright, former Seahawk, with us on 101 ESPN. And uh, we will have K.J. on the show on a somewhat regular basis here as we move forward talking NFL. Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, opening drive, 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to provide you some knowledge about our poll today as we get going with our all-time best family in sports bracket. It's underway now. Go to uh, Matthew Rocchio's Twitter. I'll retweet it here in 
just for one moment, and you'll be able to start voting for the next day or so so that we can actually determine the greatest sports family in the history of sports. Is Alabama a top five college football program? One prominent college person says no. We'll tell you who it is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can climb. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. Okay, campers, rise and shine. And don't forget your booties. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive or the morning zoo, whatever way you want to put it on Groundhog Day 2023. It is 7 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Not really, but it is Groundhog Day, and Punxsutawney Phil did see his shadow this morning. Six more weeks of winter here in St. Louis, and we're just doing the Groundhog Day thing for you here on 101 ESPN. You having fun with that? I am. I think it's good fun. I'm sure there are people going crazy in their car. It's not 7 o'clock! What are they talking about? It it is. Happy Groundhog Day. Happened today. Groundhog Day. Yeah. One of the great movies of all time. What a creative movie. It was. It was. He finally got it right. He 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 did so many things wrong over and over again. He just couldn't figure it out. And then finally, he was robbing banks. I hope this is not a, 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 a spoiler, spoiler alert. It's like a 30-year-old movie. Good. Yeah. I mean, you, I'm know, gonna do bit, I'm gonna do you have one. people that will be upset because I had never seen it. You had 30 years to see yeah. it. That's I, not my fault. I think the most underrated part of that movie for me has to be that like the, one of the early days in the loop mm-hmm. where he just starts answering all the Jeopardy questions right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was great. Right. <laughs> He's yeah, just, just sitting yeah. in the lobby all the hotel <laughs> people. I yeah. in the world. Little cameo in there for St. Louis and Parkway North grad Sandy Mashmeyer. Okay. Uh, she was she played uh, Phil's girlfriend as ah. they were going to a movie. And uh, yeah, nice. so a little St. Louis flavor in there. But here's the thing, CD and Matthew, think about this. A societal thing, like when something happens every day, oh, it's Groundhog Day. Yeah. We never said that before that movie. You're right. Right? That it's movie turned Deja Vu into Groundhog it Day. Did. It did. It's happening over and over again. It's got to be a Groundhog Day. So here's an interesting story for you. Urban Meyer was on a podcast the other day and was asked what the top five pro football or college football jobs were. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you got Florida, Florida State, you've got Georgia, you've got USC. And then he thought about it a little bit and he wouldn't include Alabama. Mm-hmm. I wonder, CD, if that might be just a little bit of jealousy about the way Nick Saban and that Alabama program goes. By the way, he had Ohio State in there, too. Yeah. Uh, but how can you not have Alabama as a top five program? I think it was, I mean, he based it off of, uh, I guess, your ability to recruit there, uh, how those those programs turn out pros. Um, and he was saying when he was at Ohio State, he didn't even bother going to LSU, going to Louisiana. He knew right, that right. LSU had all of Louis, Louisiana locked up. So there was, and it was kind of similar with Florida and Florida State. It's difficult to recruit there. USC, he he said, draw a map 300 miles around mm-hmm. the campus, and you see how many pros you have from that state. So I think he's basing it off of the state, not so much the school and the talent pool that you're pulling from. When you're in Alabama, you're able to pull from Texas, Ohio, Michigan, 
you know, California, you can pull from every every state in the country. There aren't many schools that are pulling talent from the state of Alabama in mm-hmm. terms of for them to come to their school and play football. To me, the fact that so many people nationally have gone there, that they get quarterbacks out of California and mm-hmm. that they get running backs out of Pennsylvania, that they have such a national pull for me, that makes it a more attractive job. Now, they're all great jobs. And by the way, he, he listed a tie. He, he's got Georgia, Ohio State, Florida, Florida State, LSU, USC. And the tie is between Florida and Florida State. He's got six jobs that he says are better than the Alabama job. So either he's giving a tremendous amount of credit to Nick Saban mm-hmm. or he's denigrating the Alabama job. I, uh, I really do think that the next guy that goes into Alabama that isn't Nick Saban is still going to be able to get those players from around the country. That Alabama's done it ever since Bear Bryant was there. They yeah. produced great players when Bear Bryant was there. Gene Stallings, when he won a national championship there, uh, they've been a pretty good program for a long time. They have been. I mean, they, they've done an outstanding job, and obviously Nick Saban has really done an yeah. outstanding job. Um and I don't know if it stays the same when, when Saban leaves. Whenever he decides to retire, I think you'll see a drop-off from from where they are now to where they will be. Now, the other thing that struck me about this, all due respect to Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, those three. I, I'm going to separate Florida, Florida State, and USC here. Mm-hmm. But isn't Texas a better job than Georgia Ohio State, LSU. Don't aren't there more players in a three hundred yard, three hundred mile yeah. radius of the University of Texas yeah. than there are those other schools? I think so. I I don't know why he didn't put Texas on there. Um, and mo- more money than any of them. Yeah, Texas is a is a program in in its own. I think you have those programs. USC is one. I think you put Michigan and Ohio State, mm-hmm. Texas, um, Florida and Florida State, and Miami when they are like the the, the blue blood football program, right. so to speak. Those are the teams that. You think of when you think of college football, you really have, I guess, five to ten programs that come off the top of your head. And Texas is always one of them. They just, for whatever reason, haven't been able to find that steady path to win 10 plus games year after year. But if Urban Meyer or Nick Saban is at Texas, then they are Ohio State or Alabama. Yeah, no question, because they're going to spend money too. Yep. I had no problem with that. Kerry, Randy, that's today's uh, first segment of the 10 o'clock hour on 101 ESPN. I was going to say today's big thing, but we're really doing the balloon party here. Next (laughs) up, Kylie McDaniel of ESPN.com has his prospect rankings out, and they're a little bit different than some of the other prominent prospect rankers. Kylie will join us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I just think that Walker's emergence, and he's only 20 years old, by the way, uh, there's just really no need to rush it. I, I am the biggest fanboy for a star prospect breaking into the big leagues when he deserves it. I, I truly, I, I, I am all about that. But let's let Jordan Walker kind of ease his way into this. There's no need for us to put pressure on a young man on a team that's going to be picked to win the division with or without him. That's our friend Greg Amzinger of MLB Network earlier today here on 101 ESPN. And Jordan Walker is regarded as the best Cardinal prospect. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to talk some prospects with ESPN.com's prospect guru, Kylie McDaniel. Kylie, always good to have you on the air here in St. Louis. How you doing? 
Doing good. I feel like an actual celebrity this time of year because everyone wants to hear what I think so they can yell at me and tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> well, okay. So uh, why do other people have uh, – well, let me put it this way. You have Jordan Walker – so uh, th- this is really going to be bad. Uh, you have Jordan Walker rated as the number 14 prospect in all of baseball. Why do you hate Jordan Walker? <laughs> <laughs> now, see, now, yeah, now it feels like I'm back on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> So the the thing that uh, happens with I'll say prospect list, but also like evaluating young baseball players in general, and it's more true the further down the chain you go, down to you know sixteen, eighteen year olds uh, showcases or international signings, is when there is a question of if a player can play up the middle, and they are right handed hitter, uh, you then put more pressure on what they have to be at the plate. And the further away they are, the more margin for error there is. So if you're looking at like a 17-year-old first base only guy, it's like he better be the best hitter on the field by a mile for you to consider him, uh, you know, a first, second round pick, that kind of thing. So Jordan Walker is not that. I mentioned Pete Alonso in the comparison because I think at the plate, they are both big guys with huge power that have very simple right-handed swings. And there's not a lot of guys on earth that have like that combination of things that they could be all-star level potential and do that. The difference is Pete Alonso has always been, we'll say rotund to be nice. Uh, he's always kind of looked like that. Like I saw him as a sophomore in high school and I was like, that guy looks a little big to play third base. What are we doing here? Uh, Jordan Walker has not looked like that. Like that's where the difference is. And so the question with Jordan Walker is at some, various points of his career, because I mean, he's from, uh, I think the high school that my house is zoned for in Atlanta. So I've seen him for a long time is, is he one of these guys that, let's say like Miguel Cabrera physically, where once he gets to the big leagues and he's playing on a corner somewhere, does he just lean into hitting home runs and doesn't really care about defense at his position? I don't think that's the case, but that's obviously possible. That's the direction his body could go. Or does he do a version of like what like Lance Berkman did, where he actually played a pretty passable center, center field for a while and was always a pretty good athlete and kind of kept that together and gave him a little more mar- margin for error in what he is as a hitter. Because as a hitter, he's got massive power. He's a really good hitter. Uh, but there's a question of, is he going to get to all the power? Is the pitch selection going to be good enough? Is he going to lift the ball enough? There's like a little bit of a question there. But because he's so young and so talented, you don't worry about it. You just, again, have that margin for error. And what exactly is he going to be? And that's the part we don't know. But the fact that he could be that corner-only guy that maybe doesn't hit 30 or 40, you then get backed into that corner, whereas, you know, C.J. Cron wildly different? No, I mean, that's like a really low-end outcome for him, and so he slides to the back of the group of prospects in that, like, you know, 3 through 15 range that are all very similar for me. You have Jordan Walker lower than most people, but you have Mason Wynn higher than most people predict. What have you seen from him, and and what do you think of his ability uh, at the next level? Yeah, and Mason Wynn is like the exact opposite of that, mm-hmm. where he's a plus runner. He's definitely going to be a shortstop. He has maybe the best infield arm out of anyone in the minor leagues and almost anyone in the big leagues. And he gives you all that margin for error. He's always been, again, going back to sophomore, junior of high school, he's always been a guy that can play shortstop. He's got real bat speed. He's got power potential. I think he could be like a setup guy <laughs> as a reliever if he wanted to. Um, he's got all that stuff, and he's still a little raw. I wouldn't have him anywhere near a top 100 a year ago at this time. <laughs> And then he had a huge season. And that's the reason you bet on guys like that that are great athletes that have all the tools is if it clicks at any point, then it's going to become sort of a slam dunk. This guy's a big leaguer of some kind. And he could be that kind of, you know, average offense, uh, maybe solid average defense, uh, which doesn't sound like, you know, awe-inspiring. But at shortstop, that's like an above average everyday player. You'd love to have that, you know, three, three and a half war from that guy. And he might be in the big leagues this season. And so when once you start sort of reduce down your top 100 to the guys that can do those sorts of things. That's how you end up with him at 27 because you're like, well, there's not many guys that could be that that quickly. ESPN.com's Kylie McDaniel with us on 101 ESPN. It's interesting that you note 
that about Wynn in his season last year because John Mozeliak told us that the two players in the Cardinal system that made the biggest jumps last year were Wynn and Gordon Graceffo, who's up to 81 on your list. And I, I would think that you would agree that Graceffo's probably 81 with a bullet because of the way he performed, especially down the stretch last year. Yeah, and he's also intriguing because, and you see this a lot more often with pitchers than with hitters, is when a guy's arm speed jumps, like if he just goes from being like a pretty good pitcher at Villanova that was just sort of on the on the radar as a guy that's a good athlete with some arm speed, you know, nice little uh, little bet later in the in the draft, uh, to all of a sudden he's throwing hard, it's shaped pretty well, he's throwing strikes, everything's above average. Like when pitchers take that leap, they'll jump all over the place. So like the pitchers on the back half of a top 100 are almost entirely different pitchers every year because some guys will have their velocity go from you know 90, 93 to 93, 96. And then other guys will get hurt, and they just sort of all switch places. And Graceffo went from, at draft time, again, he was one of those guys that was like a nice bet to have if you get 10 of these guys, a couple of them into being big leaguers. And just almost immediately before he even pitched in a pro game, he made the leap. And so he goes from, again, a bit of an afterthought to, oh, this guy's right there with Matthew Libertor and Zach Thompson and all these guys that are just sort of knocking on the door at the big leagues. And so, yeah, going going from, oh, this guy's throwing hard in spring training. Like, maybe he'll be a guy. Like, maybe he's better than that, like, mid-round pick to, you know, trying to find a spot for him in the rotation. Uh, that That's that's a huge jump. And, again, if you get eight or ten of those guys, you're hoping one of them can do that. And he did it almost immediately after signing. Uh, another name that you have is Tink Hintz. You have him a little bit higher than MLB at 61. Uh, what do you think about his potential in the, at the next level? I know he's a few years away, uh, but he's a hard-throwing right-hander and, and seems like he has a lot of talent. What do you see from him? Yeah, he was a tough one because I, I liked him in high school. He was in that uh, COVID-shortened draft, so a lot of teams didn't even see him during the spring because he only pitched a couple times before everything shut down. St. Louis was one of them that was rumored to be looking at him in the second round. Uh, they get him uh, at the, at the uh, end of the third round. Um, the, the concern with uh, trying to rank him last year is he had thrown eight professional innings. And I thought it must be because he was hurt or something was wrong. And the Cardinals were just like, no, he hadn't pitched a whole lot. Uh, he didn't pitch a lot in 2020. We didn't want to try to ramp him up to throw in 80 to 100 innings. We want to like slowly ramp him up and like really do this right. And I thought that was like a little bit of a cover for like, well, maybe he's a little bit sore. Maybe he's not quite ready to throw strikes in pro ball. Like, I'm sure they're not telling me something, but I didn't have any bad information to go off of. And it turned out they were probably telling the truth because he was fantastic. And he's one of those guys that, again, the reason that he goes 63rd overall after not really pitching a little bit in the summer and not really pitching at all in the spring and not really being that polished, not necessarily throwing three good pitches all the time. Like the reason he goes that high is it's a silky smooth arm action. It's a plus athlete. It strikes. You can project command. He'll throw you a good breaking ball. He was hitting 96, 97 at times. And now he's throwing four pitches and is like his fastball is shaped to get swings and misses. He's throwing strikes with all four pitches. And after throwing 52 innings last year, it's like, all right, they're going to let him go like 80, 90, 100 innings. And he's definitely not getting to the big leagues this year, but at the end of this year, he might then be on that Gordon Graceffo program where it's like, all right, now we got to figure out what's the plan next year. If he keeps doing this, he'll be in the big leagues because you can't really deny that guy. But we then have to start 2024 with in mind, he might be in a bullpen down the stretch. Uh, like that stuff's like on the table now for a guy that had ba- barely pitched going into the season last year. ESPN.com's Kylie McDaniel. One more thing from me, Kylie, and it's in regard to Yvonne Herrera, who we were given the impression would be the heir apparent to Yadier Molina when Yadier retired. Then Herrera comes up last year, kind of looks overwhelmed at the major league level, and the Cardinals go out and give the big money to Wilson Contreras, who may or may not be a long-term catcher. But I want to know if Herrera's uh, future, his viability as a big league catcher, changed at all in your mind with last season. 
Uh, a little bit, but I would say not so much about not looking great in those 11 games in the big leagues, but more based on signing Contreras. Uh, being in Atlanta, I had some intel on the Braves that uh, the other Contreras, uh, William, and their top prospect, Shay Langoliers, I had heard that they did not totally trust them. Not that they were more good prospects, but that they didn't totally trust them to be the 120-game catcher, handle the staff, all that sort of stuff. A uh, year and a half later, both of them have been traded, and they started signing other free agents and trading for Sean Murphy and doing all this stuff. So it seems like that intel was good. And again, it's not like uh, you know Oakland or Milwaukee uh, got outsmarted in those deals, because I think they think they can turn those guys into you know what they think they're going to be but that sort of is a little bit of what i'm feeling with herrera where it's it's not that he's not the guy that you think that he is because i think Lenglers and contreras will be starters for those teams so they are you know real prospects that will turn into real everyday players which i think is what herrera is as well it's we don't think he's ready to catch 125 games in the big leagues and hit right now on a team that's going to contend that doesn't have that many holes so why don't we let him start in AAA, see if he can take that you know backup role from Kisner, uh, maybe uh, on-ramp himself to be the catcher as Contreras maybe transitions into a you know catcher first base DH, like that sort of hybrid role over the next couple of years. I think it's just a slower on-ramp because they don't want to hand him the job, him not be ready, and now they got to go find somebody else and demote him and put all, you know another bad taste in his mouth. I think they're just being very careful with it as opposed to not thinking of him as the guy that we thought he would be. Hey, Kylie, there's one more name that I think constantly gets overlooked and, and came up last year. He was a top 100 prospect for the Cardinals. It's Alec Burleson. He only had, I think, 48 uh, plate attempts at last season. What do you see from him? And, and do you think that maybe we're overlooking him because more at-bats, more opportunities to, to really show off what he's able to do? Yeah, he's really interesting because he was uh, primarily a pitcher in college at East Carolina, and everyone thought he had a good swing. And, oh, he'll probably get – you know, he did throw that hard. He was like 87 to 91. So he's probably a hitter in pro ball. But, you know, maybe he ends up being a pitcher. Who really knows what he can do once he uh, focuses on one as, as opposed to both? Uh, and then he just, like, shot to AAA in his first full season. And, like, nobody really saw that coming. Uh, and so I think everyone was surprised in the same way with Graceffo, where it's like, oh, this is just a guy that's, like, a nice gamble to have. And then he becomes, you know, he gets on the radar, and he's like, this is a real guy. Uh, the concern with him is it's not massive power for a corner outfielder, and he's a little bit of a free swinger, but it's so good back to ball he wasn't really challenged by that until he got to the big leagues. Mm. Uh, so I think the question is, can he dial that in now that he is, um, you know, at that level where his, his level of talent is being challenged by pitchers. Um, and also like a, not a real problem, but technically an issue to overcome with the Cardinals. It's so many good young hitters are working their way into the lineup, like Nolan Gorman and, uh, and Walker and Wynn and all these guys are kind of working their way into the lineup. Is he going to be able to find a spot? to play or does he need to go to AAA to get that regular playing time to continue to develop because he has fewer reps than most 24-year-olds do. So I think he's an intriguing uh, guy that has a chance to be sort of a low-end everyday player that you feel fine putting out there on an everyday basis, but there's a little more risk and he's not quite as polished as you'd hope just given what his background is. Kylie McDaniel, one more thing. We have about 45 seconds and like you've said, you've got boots on the ground in Atlanta and see the way they've treated and then signed uh, so many of their young players. Based on your observations of the Cardinal Farm System, in the next couple of years, should they take a similar approach, not only with the prospects that we're talking about, with people like, uh, we mentioned Burleson, they, they've got Tommy Edmond, who's a young player, they bought, brought up Gorman and, and Yepes. Would it be a good thing for the Cardinals to take a similar approach to Atlanta as taken to try to keep this group together for a while? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think, like I said, with all these uh, young position players, uh, there's so many of them that I think once you get a full season, season and a half of a guy doing what you think he can do, to then you know approach him and his representation and be like, all right, there's three or four guys here that we really believe in long term. Let's see if we can lock them up to terms that make sense for us. Uh, and I think you know the same way with the rotation. There's there's almost there's like not really an ace, but there's a ton of really good players. And so I think locking some of those guys up, trading the the other ones, and then filling in some holes and maybe getting that extra you know four or five six win player to add to Arenado and Goldschmidt to try to get over the hump and really make a run at the NL. That I think you know being scared of Atlanta and the mess of the Dodgers and the Padres is, is pretty scary. You got to take one more step and I think this group of young players will be the key to making that step. Kylie McDaniel we love your work at ESPN.com we always like having you on the show here in St. Louis thanks so much for taking some time and I'm sure we'll visit again soon. Yep thanks for having me Take care. Kylie McDaniel ESPN.com and you can read his great work on the minor leagues and covering the minors and by the way he has a different group of five among his top 100 MLB had Walker, Wynn, Hentz, Graceffo, and Burleson. Kylie doesn't have Burleson in his top 100, but he does have Herrera at number 89. Yeah, I, I mean the the numbers are are the way he explained it made a lot of sense yeah. though. The the being a a position player up the middle that can do a little bit more is why he has Mason Wynn a little bit higher and why he would have Jordan Walker a little bit lower. Um, it, Pete Alonso didn't didn't thrill me. <laughs> it didn't make me didn't give me warm fuzzy feelings no. for the comparison to Jordan Walker. I like I like I like that Albert Pujols comparison. I like that better too. Yeah, love it. Kerry, Randy, coming up, we've got rock and roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. If you go to any of our Twitter pages, Rock ESPN, at Carrie Davis 38, at Randy Carricker, we have put up a poll trying to determine the greatest sports family of all time. And today we've got the football bracket for you. And right now the Kelsey family is leading the Sharp family, 67% to 33%. Uh, We've got the Joey and Nick Bosa versus Peyton, Eli, and Archie Manning. And that is uh, that's a ninety-seven to three lead for yeah, the Manning. That's not surprising at all. No, no. And then you've got the uh, the Watt brothers, JJ, TJ, and little known Derek against Rondé and Tiki Barber, and the Watt brothers have a commanding lead there. And then you've got the Matthews family against the Long family, and this is Clay, Clay Jr., Clay the Third, Bruce, and Jake Matthews against Howie, Chris, and Kyle Long, as it was pointed out in the poll. Two families that played a lot of seasons and either hit or protected a lot of quarterbacks, and right now the Long family leading about 80% to 20%. A little disappointed in the Sharps versus the Kelseys. I, I I think it's a little bit of recency bias in those that right. have not seen Sterling play football. We know Shannon, because Shannon obviously is still doing the talk shows and, and still a part of major media, but the fact that that is that much of a difference. I, what is it, 66 to 33? 68 mm-hmm. to 32 right now. I, I am uh, not not pleased with that outcome. I'm not swaying any voters anyway, either way. So keep voting. We keep have 16 voting. hours left, yes. and maybe the Sharps will make a rally here. By the way, the Watt family, and this was pointed out to me earlier this morning by one Matthew Rocchio, it's the family from Pewaukee, J.J. Derrick and T.J. Watt against the Wonder Twins, Rondé and Tiki 
barber. All right, what do we got, Matthew, with rock and roll? Well, Carrie earlier today was talking about how the NFL's rigged. And, and I listen, was saying it wasn't. I, I cannot get <laughs> former Rams running back Zach Stacy on this show to uh, to talk about his statement about the Ram, about the game being rigged. I think it was Benny Cunningham. I was going to say, Zach Stacy is, he uh, don't want to get Zach Stacy on the I blanked on my problematic uh, Rams running backs. Uh, I didn't say anything about Trey Mason, so I'm good. Um, Benny Cunningham, excuse me. Um, he doesn't want to talk about it, apparently. So I had to go to now, another Trey, show. Hold on, let's get this straight. Here. Yeah, that's right. No, it's a Trey lot had of things. some issues, yes, right? He did. Yes, he did. I think people were after Trey. Yeah, yeah. No. That's what he said when he was on the lawnmower. Isaiah Pede had his forty time cut in half. Oh, oh. Didn't Trey? Al- Trey also had an issue with that. I think. I think because I think he might have. But I think because of the mental issues, eventually he got himself hurt. Oh, okay. And then he got himself in a bad he was way. In a car accident. And I think. Yeah. And I think he got, Isaiah Pede was in an accident as well. Yeah, I think. Was. But I think yeah. Trey Mason had to get his like the bottom yeah, that, of his like that, one of his legs amputated. That's yeah. an interesting. That should might be a third. I mean, Stedman Bailey got shot. shot in the head, yeah. Hey, that's an interesting group of what took place during that time. All of those guys were teammates. Isn't that something? That, that's, that's interesting. You know what else is interesting? is uh, So back in the day, and this is going way back to the, the first L.A. days, uh, the Los Angeles Rams had a running back named Hopalong Cassidy. Mm-hmm. And then they wound up with Isaiah Pete. Oh, okay. But anyhow, I did, I was able to find the audio of another former NFL running back talking about how the NFL is obviously and clearly rigged. This was Arian Foster the other day joining the Microdosing podcast on the Barstool Sports Network. It's funny, before we started taping, uh, Arian was telling me about how the NFL is rigged and how every year he used to get a script. Yeah. Day one of training camp that would mm-hmm. get dropped off at his locker. Mm-hmm. And you would have to, you know, it was like week one, you'll do this. Week two, you're going to have a hamstring injury. Week three, this is going to happen. Yeah. Week four, you're going to get three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And so then you just have to, did you memorize those before the season started? Or would you go and rehearse the script before every game? Uh, we were really dedicated to it. So it was more so like um, that's what practice was about. It was about practicing the script. Like this is what goes on and this is what we have to do mm-hmm. in order to. Yeah. And this referee is going to miss this call. Yeah, because they hate you yeah. and they love the Colts, yeah, that sort like, of thing. Uh, WWF, so it's like, yeah, know, we know what's going to happen, but you still got to put on a show. Yeah. What did yeah. you think when you got the script in 2016 that said your career was going to fall off a cliff when you stopped believing in God? That was 2015. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> just love the the straight up way he answered that, and I I, I got to give credit to the producer there for coming in with the joking comment. Like, what did you think about the script when it said your career was going to fall off? I couldn't <sighs> believe how many people responded. To Arian Foster in that clip with actual real, this is proof that the NFL is scripted. People, my people, there's also a fake tweet going around right now that says an NFL referee was quoted on a radio station as saying, you're correct, my son should not have bet on a game that I was refereeing in the AFC Championship game. And now there's people putting around that tweet and saying, this is real, this is real. That referee probably is going to get threats in the mail because people have been lying and making things up about him. I do not know how understand how people are dumb enough to actually think these statements are real. I was going to take this in a different in a different direction, nope. but I, I am I am not surprised that people are 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 foolish enough to believe things that are said on on social media or on TV or I mean you you, you have there are people that just believe anything that is said to them, and you know it's 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 intriguing that I've mentioned this before, Randy. There are people that I know. That, that you know, that, that we know 
in life. Different forms, different facets that we've come across in life. And you wonder, how the hell are you still here? Mm-hmm. How, how yeah. the hell have you managed to be 45? How have you managed to be 31? How have you managed to be 55 years old? How have you not walked out into the middle of the street unaware and just gotten hit by something? Just because that's your everyday. Like, you are clueless mm-hmm. about certain things. But yet... Yet, you are still here thriving every single day. It is that in itself is an amazing feat that these people are able to do that. And 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 here's the scary part, Randy. Those people end up having kids. That is a really <laughs> scary part of it. You are 100 percent right. Okay. And I, you can have disdain for the league and especially be a bitter former player, and maybe even have had dreams about a script. Maybe he was thinking. Oh, this is scripted out because our first 15 plays are scripted. It could be that he is literally that dumb, that he thinks, oh, coach is giving a script. Oh, this is what's going to happen for the first 15 plays. Maybe he was thinking that. I hope he was thinking that. Or maybe he was just joking and no one understood. Can you imagine how mad Robert Griffin III must have been when he got that script? Hey, right. I mean, you're gonna have an amazing rookie year, and then wait, what Alvin, is this? Alvin Kamara said when he got his script this season, he was frustrated. Yeah, that bothered me a little bit. bit. I'm just gonna not. I'm gonna stink it up this year, huh? I'll tell you, who and we're gonna probably suck. was somewhat ticked about the script. Is Alex Smith? Oh yeah, yeah he signed up for for multiple leg surgeries. Almost huh? died. I mean, put your life on the line. Why don't you? Yeah, like yeah, there are some people. It, it's do you think it, he, he knew, just imagine. Do you think when Teddy Bridgewater got drafted in the NFL, he knew that he was like trading like four or five million dollars uh, for potentially maybe losing his leg one day? Do you think he like he was like okay yeah I, I get five six million dollars across the next ten years and one day I almost lose my leg <laughs> and fair enough trade I got this now how how do you pull that think about this and I don't know if I don't, I don't know if the practices are scripted but how do you tear a bunch of items in your knee, not just your ACL and your MCL, but have nerve damage on a non-contact play in practice. I mean, it's in the script, clearly. I mean, this is uh, this is some high-level thinking we mm-hmm, have here. Mm-hmm. When Ezekiel Elliott was given that script for the last play of his season, he said, me sitting here snapping the ball to the quarterback and getting ran over by the lineman sounds like a, a plan that I should that, – that sounds like the, the, the ideal way for us to end the season. I Sign off on that. Yeah. <laughs> sign me up. Thank hey, you, 618. Hey, Z- you are ex- ab- absolutely correct. Hey, Zeke, last play of the year, you're going to be a sitting duck. Zeke, no problem. <laughs> we also this, uh, this, Here's the thing, though. Some people can get very confused. We have a texture who says, Aaron Foster's clearly going along with the bit in that clip. Barstool's all about that kind of stuff. We know. Yes, that's we, the point. Here, I'm, that, that, I'm, I'm saying I'm aware that he's joking, the, my guy. That's not the problem. We <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. We are not able to get to everyone in the world. If I could, if I could sit down and have a a place for everyone to hear our voice, they can. I mean, mm-hmm. you can check it out. Check us out on the app. It's easy. But if you choose not to, it's still going to be hard for us to get our information to everyone because yes. we are so we we are very intelligent men in this room. We have a, a, a great ideas and great thought processes of things. Yet there are people out here that think that some things are accurate and are true and are having trouble with sarcasm and things not, you know, people not being serious at times. They, 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 they struggle with that. Gary, I don't know about you, but I, I think what these people need to do is what I have done for many years now, 
and just go to Facebook, read the Facebook memes, and that's a good source of information. <laughs> I mean, if that's the way you want to go about your life, you go right ahead. Just stay the hell out of my way. We, we, got, a, we got a fun text here that brings, I want to bring up something really quickly. Somebody said, what about the Grizzlies rigging the uh, Defensive Player of the Year race for Jaron Jackson? You guys might not have heard this last week, but there was a Reddit post that went viral because a guy was claiming that the home scorer for the Memphis Grizzlies was cheating by giving Jaron Jackson a bunch of blocks uh. that he hadn't earned. I, and this is I can't decide if this is a good thing or a bad thing about the current day we live in. Two of the smartest people around basketball, Kevin O'Connor being one of them, and then uh, I'm blank, John Hollinger being the other one. Two of the smartest basketball minds on the planet spent then half of their nights that ne- that day going through every single Jaron Jackson Jr. block to see if it was legitimate. They, by the way, confirmed two of the smartest basketball guys ever that. They've gotten pretty much every single block correct. But the fact that a Reddit post can strive two of the best writers to spend an entire night going play by play to see if, in fact, there could be some kind of conspiracy theory, conspiracy here, it's absolutely insane. There is no conspiracy. He really is that good if you are a basketball fan. Well, listen tonight to the game on 101 ESPN and find out. It, it, can you can you imagine when Gus Farratt read that script and it said, <laughs> you're going to run your head into the wall, they put an X here, yeah. and Dude, you're going to hurt your neck, gramma- Mrs. <laughs> the Grammaticas are the best actors yeah. in America. Yeah. Hey, we got to get one more break taken oh. care of before we head down the stretch with What's on Tap, and then we've got BK and Ferrario coming up at the top of the 11 o'clock, or is it the 7? o'clock hour here in Groundhog Day on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Tonight here on 101 ESPN, you've got the Grizzlies and the Cavaliers pregame at 6 on ESPN Radio and here on 101 ESPN. Cavaliers are an interesting team. They kind of changed up last year when they went all big, which is something the NBA was not doing. And then they added Donovan Mitchell, had to give up one of their big guys in Markinen. But they're a really intriguing team that if they get on a run during the course of the postseason could do some damage because of the size and athleticism that they have. So tune in tonight, Grizzlies and Cavs here on 101 ESPN. Don't forget to go to Twitter and you can follow and certainly participate in our poll. It's the greatest sports family of all time this afternoon. Throughout the course of the afternoon, we'll have the poll up for the greatest football family of all time. That'll continue. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy Carricker, Carrie at Carrie Davis 38 and Rockio at ROCC Rock ESPN. This is a... Okay, I'm not going to say that the four hours have been fun (laughs) filling in for T-Mac and Ajax. They're in Jamaica, and they'll be back tomorrow. I think we've handled it well, though. Knowing the, the, you know, what was in front of us. Knowing Mm -hmm. what was... Where they were and where we are, I think we've done an outstanding job, a spectacular job of of doing our job under these circumstances, Randy. Because I, I hope that this time next year we are the ones in Jamaica. I would hope so. Enjoying the fine weather, and then we get to come back. I mean, you all can come back Friday. I'll see you all on Monday if that takes place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got to set some things up, and we will for 2023. We just got to talk to our. Our boss, Tommy Madden, about getting out and doing stuff. Yeah, let's get out. Yeah. Let's get outside. Because we, we, we owe it to you. Our job here in a radio mm-hmm. studio or on a radio show is to paint a mental picture for you. So to paint a mental picture of 
warmth and a beach and palm trees and foofy drinks. We need to have that visual to provide it what, to what you. What better way? I mean, we still have time, Randy. This Jupiter, Florida is calling our names. I can hear Carrie. Gary. Yep, that is Jupiter <laughs> calling us. <laughs> Jupiter. <laughs> hey, we're looking forward to uh, BK and Ferrario coming up here at the top of the 11 o'clock hour on this Groundhog Day. If you didn't hear it, Punxsutawney Phil saw his shadow. Six mm. more weeks of winter, according to legend. And right now, that means that we get to what, mid-March before we're out on the golf course. Outstanding. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. CD. And we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of this frivolity. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.